Magic Without Fears Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Magic Without Fears, my friend. Let's see if you uh, manifest from the... The darkness, Hello. you're here. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Can you hear me? Very well. How's it going? Cool. I put head I put headphones in to make it um less, you know, less feedbacky theoretically. Wonderbar. We'll see. That sounds we'll see that sounds good. Yeah. I've been I'm... told before on the on the Zoom thing that if you don't have the headphones on, it's all then it, then it, then the Zoom records my voice coming through your computer and your voice at the same time though i don't know how bad it is but yes the headphones do sort of help i'm sure right although like i'm using these headphones that have been used by someone other than myself prior to me using them and they're really gross i gotta tell you they're oh. not it's not nice this is disgusting mm. well anyway what great, sorry what a great way to start <laughs> you know me old professionalism all the time exactly uh, well that's what i'm famous for well exactly right right hello i see i thought we were going to have like a, a minute before we started recording but i'm guessing yeah. we're recording oh good no, thank god i no, was like you're not well, recording me talking about headphones um, no 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 we are recording but the beginning yeah. people mm -hmm. don't act like they're recording and and that's like where we really get those gen z listeners they're like oh shit is this some like real conversation that's unedited and it's like yeah i guess so there's the charm. Yeah, I mean, the um, the I can't right headphone is not out. working at all. Does no, it I don't matter, care. Though? It's fine. Yeah, who it's cares? Fine. I don't care. Uh, you know me. I'm chill. I I'm know. not. I'm chill. not branding myself as anything right now. I'm just. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, there, we don't need any self branding now that we're finally in an age where we're not getting physically branded for the things we talk about. There you go. I mean, well, not not yet. We'll see. <laughs> oh, it'll, it'll happen. I'm sure. I'm sure the the pitchforks are coming sooner or later. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good. Just uh, made a salmon quesadilla for lunch, so I'm feeling Ooh. great. Yeah. Oh. Can't beat fish, it. Fish, 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 and Mexican. That's. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, took my zinc and calcium and magnesium, five thousand IU's of D three, and uh, feeling feeling chipper and all that stuff. 
There you go. Plus, That's you know, I but I, I threw I added a bit of spice to my uh, preparations for you with uh, with uh, orange turmeric kombucha, and there I'm experimenting with it having a little amaretto in it. So, <laughs> wow, um, that I feel works. like it's amazing. Is... It actually makes <laughs> it. I feel like this is the first time someone's told me that they have um, created a kombucha cocktail. So really, um, I it's feel all like the reach yeah, in the states. I think. Up here, oh. I've been saying to people that down in the States, you guys have kombucha on tap and they're like, wait, you mean that like gross drink? But that's what Canadians oh. are, are, that's their take on kombucha. It's not a well, big thing up here. It's not, I mean, it's not popular at all. That sounds like a California situation. Oh, big New, time. Or New Orleans is definitely not um, on that, on that ish yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're still, uh, we're still deep in the liquor, liquor all the I've, time. I've, I've found that the probiotics actually do amazing things for my stomach so that's oh I bet yeah yeah like so I've been I drink it a lot like almost every day and it really makes a difference right on I love yeah. it I, love it. I can't do it because I can't do fermented stuff yes it of fucks course me up. Yeah. but um anyway like let's we, not make this a, a gut unfucked. health podcast <laughs> yeah Un unfucked gut please in 2021 that's the goal yeah that's the goal so what, <clears throat> what's up what are we we're talking about psychism I guess. Yes. Is that the yeah, point? I was thinking we would start by, uh, well, I would, I would really, I think one thing that people don't hear much of, or maybe they do, and I'm just not paying attention is, is the, the actual development that we go through as we develop our sensitivity. One thing sure, I, yeah. love, I love that when I loved seeing it referred to as sensitivity training in the golden dawn, because <laughs> I think that's just such a great way to characterize the entire gamut of what you know, psychism really does cover. It's, it's us becoming more sensitive. And Rudolf Steiner spoke about this ad nauseum, but he spoke about it in a way that was sometimes very commonly hard to grasp, mm -hmm. which is why there was this edification of him as this great psychic and clairvoyant. But I think a lot of his followers didn't actually develop along behind him to, to be similar because they mm. felt it was like this special gift that just he and he alone had. But if you read his writings, especially an outline of occult science and his stuff on cognition and knowledge of higher worlds, he's outlining very basic exercises that some of them you see elsewhere in the occult tradition. Right. Well represented in Franz Barden, in the Golden Dawn, in, in, and I'm sure, I'm sure Blavatsky talked about stuff like that. Mm. Leadbeater certainly does. Um, not that those are necessarily... Uh, really great people worth uh, looking up to but <laughs> the whole the whole practice of looking up to any anyone else I think is a, a fool's error I mean anyway. no, no gods no masters right like that's the that's yeah. the goal every man and woman yeah, is guess. a star mm -hmm. right so, yeah exactly right so like, you got, we, I was ranting about this on on Instagram live the other day which I think you caught a bit of yeah that this was this nice. idea of yeah just not um you know I'm usually not up no that no way. one no one is perfect. Uh, no one has a, a spotless record. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that we, uh, that really shaped the Western esoteric tradition and the Western occult tradition were written by people who were not great people, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Stephen so Skinner goes. commented on the on Jason Newcomb's uh, interview the other day that that the Golden Dawn and these traditions haven't like OTO haven't really produced that many saints, so mm. we shouldn't necessarily think too highly of the initiatory uh, success of those systems. And then I immediately, of course, had to comment on my my Cyber Guild class, the the free public one that I do once a month, 
um, that I never really got the impression that initiation was meant to turn you into some kind of saint, because especially if you, uh, I mean, if you look at it like as a human being, you can, you grow up, you're a kid, you, you, you do a bunch of stupid stuff, you do trial and error, you make mistakes, you roughhouse too hard and learn how to play effectively with others, you know, win sometimes, let them win other times. You learn how to get along as an adult and eventually put your life together in some way that works, have a job, pay taxes, have a family and not fuck up the lives of your family and friends too much, right? Totally, totally. Right? But, but in initiation, it's not like this is a system that we, we have said, oh, well, that's just so hard to do, have a, have a job and wife and kids and have a, a, a healthy, well-balanced life. We haven't said that's so hard to do. We need secret ceremonies, spells <laughs> and magic so that some of us can actually make that happen for ourselves. That's not what it was added to human experiences to create. Right. Not, right. Otherwise, it wouldn't take so much time and involve doing like all these crazy things that we do, because uh, none of that stuff is really that conducive to having a standard white picket fence life. Right. For sure. So then the question is, what is it about? Well, it's about digging deeper. It's about ascending to heaven, but then ascending into hell to to deal with stuff that a lot of people are never going to face in their regular lives and aren't meant to face. It's something that is uh, for the few, and that's the what esotericism is all about. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you know it's um, it's naive to think that going through that process necessarily means that you're going to come out the other side. Um, well, it you know, a, people a like, moral and ethical individual by like regular standards. I guess. I mean, you, know? you definitely want to try and be moral, which means following the rules of of your society. And, right, but, sure. but ethics is different. Ethics is purely subjective. It's, yes. it's something that does develop with your development. For example, um, let's take uh, doing healing for pay, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a Reiki person can do healing and charge money as in there. I've heard some people say there should always be an exchange of some kind, but you can take money and do a Reiki session and that can be ethically fine. But if you, for example, follow the dictates of the Fama Fraternitatis, the founding document of Rosicrucianism, it's very clear that you will profess to do only one thing, to heal, and that gratis. Yeah, yeah, and you so were telling me this. Once you, once you make that decision, you take, you take a certain path at that crossroads, and you don't get to ever heal again for pay. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. Mm -hmm. And to, to betray that ethic would be evil because you're violating a founding event in your life a moment and that you have taken to act upon and establish a new ethical basis for yourself so to betray that once once you've done it that would be unethical for right. you but it doesn't right. have, that doesn't speak at all about another in fact if you were to take that ethic then and apply it to other it would commit what the french ethicist alain badieu would call the evil of tyranny so to an extract mm. an ethical guideline that is established in your own subject and to apply it to someone else is the evil of tyranny and overrides their whatever their <laughs> ethical subjecthood is. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, 
so 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 uh so with an initiates you have people who essentially have a, a stable enough life that they can practice these techniques go to initiations often meaning flying to somewhere to go through them come home and then study this material day in and day out do these rituals mm -hmm. in a daily way and what are they doing well they're trying to dig deeper if like if they have a problem if they don't have problems in their life they're trying to find them essentially the initiatory process is designed to cause problems intentionally you're you're if the if you're the heat under your alembic isn't producing dross that needs to be discarded so that the purified matter can rise up then you turn up the heat that's the task of the zealotor right. In, in all, which is a term used across many systems, the, he stokes the, the athenor and, and is pumping that air into the fire so that if the person doesn't, isn't facing challenges and isn't facing their own uh, demons, so to speak, then you need to put the, turn the heat up and find, find, find those demons and where they lie and face them. And that's going to fuck anyone up. So as soon as you get good, as soon as you become a better person, you then, your whole task then, is to mess yourself up in a way don't take that literally of course right. but like to well, more I mean, yeah you know i've been telling this to my uh <clears throat> some of my clients recently because i've been taking on more more clients who are doing sort of spiritual work rather than just your your general concerns about day-to-day -day life um and a lot of them are in that space where they're like well we've we've come through to a certain point you know you've done that preliminary healing work and that, you know, preliminary, I know that like the, the popular term right now is shadow work, but you know, the preliminary shadow work. And then they're confused by why they're not feeling, you know, trans transcendentally better, you know? And I'm like, well, that's step two, you know, you get, you get the foundation underneath you and you surpass that first set of trials or, you know, you, you clear out that first round of, oh, my phone is ringing. We're just gonna ignore that. Um, pardon Put them me. on, put them on. Let's see what <laughs> It's probably a spam call. I think it was the hospital. So oh, yeah, I'm sure that's, they that's had legal in the States. That's, that's, not oh, yeah. that's not legal in like place, most places in Europe or in Canada. Like in Germany, if really? you- They can't where, spam if, you? No, it's super, like in Germany, if you go up to some, <sighs> some stranger's door and knock on it and try to sell them something, they'll call the cops and you'll get arrested. Like what right do you that have to and interrupt their days? Like, why can some person just come to my door and talk to me? They have no, that, that is not their right. I live my life. I'm very busy. Like, fuck off. It's I mean, like, yeah. that, that's my, that's my attitude. I, <laughs> I am very busy. Please don't blow up my phone trying to sell me, I don't know, extended car warranty or try and steal my social security number. But anyway, yeah, off right. topic. Um, what was I ranting about? So now I've lost my, this is the problem with um, with my brain. Now I've lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, no, that, that's right. Like you get to the, you know, you get to the, you get the foundational round of shadow work or healing done. And then I think a lot of people expect that you are, are instantly sort of elevated to some sort of profound level of ecstasy and happiness. And I'm like, oh no, no, like you do this work so that you can continually descend like it's not um it's not a one-time thing it's like a cycle of um descent and uh and ascent you know like over and over and over again that's the purpose it's it's not supposed to be linear <laughs> yeah um i like to think of it in terms of the, the infinity ouroboros with uh yeah with, absolutely put it, and think of it upright as in the lesser and greater yes. circulations. And uh, yeah, yeah I love that. You want to be constantly in flow. The, the power of the magician 
is, is really contained in the action, the dual action of Hermes, because Hermes at once contains his own being within himself in that hermetically sealed kind of way. Hermes maintains his own mm -hmm. integrity while extraterritorially uh, transgressing the limitations of not just um, his own, uh, you know, domains, but the divine, the infernal, Hades, Sheol or whatever, and interacting in all these different places while maintaining themselves and constantly is moving around. And also, therefore, is kind of a, a trickster, a little, a little bastard sometimes. And that is, <laughs> that is what we are, sort of, for better or for worse. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. Um, Couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, like, what were you saying? Sensitivity training sensitivity training. I like that for, phrase. I like that way. Of, yeah. I think it's a better phrase than psychic development. I remember in three equals eight practicus when, when they first start really teaching that, or they did back in my day, a lot of uh, top level adepts higher than me actually even think that, uh, that those things should be begun even earlier. Um, they are begun in a way uh, laterally through uh, things like the tarot contemplation ritual and mm -hmm. meditations and, and other things, but some of them are outright, uh, are uh, vocalizing that they think you know uh yeah direct psychic <laughs> experiments and scrying essentially should be begun in the very beginning and as a neophyte and i and i i've been i've been convinced i have been convinced mainly by this one seven equals four adept i, I talked to a lot of good buddy who does huh. amazing carving work and hopefully he'll come on sometime soon uh yeah he has some strong opinions that will definitely shake, <laughs> up, shake up the world and uh especially after a couple scotches, which is how we usually talk. I plan to go over to the island he lives on soon and visit him, but he also has access to like versions of like the Abramelin and the, and the Solomonic grimoires that even Skinner has never seen oh, wow. and is trying to get from the guy who has them. Like this is a, an ongoing thing in the manuscript world. And, you know, I, I was saying to him, I was like, dude, like how, I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying this, publicly but people people will get upset but it's like how do we deal with the fact that the extant manuscripts like for solomon of magic and the abermelon are radically incomplete to ones that are extant we know who mm. has them and we don't mm. get to see them yeah that's a lot <laughs> and I, I will not say who has them but every but dr skinner knows and everyone a lot of people know and we'd sort of all like to see them and uh yeah <laughs> and yet no you can't yeah hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah. That, where are you? That, where are you? Uh, this is. I mean, this is like off topic a little bit, maybe. But uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna poke the bear. Are you still? Because uh, your living situation has changed. We won't talk about what it is, but your living situation has changed since you and I last talked. Are you? Uh, are you still contemplating any? Any major workings this year of the uh, of the magical variety? Oh yeah, I'm. 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 I'm gonna be diving into uh, a bunch of grimoire stuff. Uh, nice. I haven't done, but primarily what I'm working on is um, I'm because we can't get together and do the the Yates Celtic Mysteries conference. This, right. You no, know, and I felt that coming, which is why I sort of pulled back and just started putting my senses out to see what the direction was. Especially, I get a lot of direction from the uh, King of Fairies, Midir, who I mm -hmm. established a, a relationship with, but who's very tricky. Like that's a fucked up one to talk about that. <laughs> that being and uh i i used some stuff from the book of oberon and from some other uh 
manuscripts that I had access to at Chris Bennett's place to do the initial contact and develop a sigil that he gave me so I could communicate more frequently with him and get direction mm-hmm. and used uh, primarily used Yeats's own evocation that he developed with Mathers right to make that content and it was a he's a it's an interesting being and uh we'll see so uh the direction now I have is is that for the Yates's birthday we'll hopefully do a little uh zoom conference and hopefully I'll get um over here in Vancouver, my old mentor, Dr. Idleton, to come on and do a lecture because he, he used to meet up with Yates's daughter in Dublin when he was doing his PhD in the 70s. And, oh, wow. uh, and you know, he's the world expert on Yeats and Nietzsche, as well as the lyrical and poetry mm-hmm. and Tom, Thomas Lessing, Thomas Mann, and Goethe, you know, and both thinking from Goethe. He wrote a book called Ketze und Dichte, which is, means heretics and poets, which you have to have even, uh, like, even my German was barely capable of sludging through it it took me about two hours per page because he writes in in academic critical theory style oh boy yeah from the 70s so but which is really a lot of people don't understand the academic german origin uh behind what has been appropriated into critical race theory and they're not the same thing at all one is just a means of communicating a lot of information in the shortest way possible and making you think about it but then when you put that into a language like german where you can have sentences that easily run a paragraph it gets mm. it gets challenging but uh yeah hopefully he'll come and do a, a little lecture and hopefully he and i will play a few ballads because he's also a celtic musician and had an irish band in the 70s in roundstone ireland throughout the times he time he was doing his phd and you can see where i i got the model for me to uh, live <laughs> a, a fabulous life and i'm yeah grateful for his friendship these many years yeah that so hopefully awesome. we'll do a thing we'll call it demon con because, oh, I love that. Because, because it, after demon es deus inversus, which yes, is the yes, yes. motto. And I'm sure that'll attract a few people who'll be like, where's Crowley at? It's like, yo, Crowley's not in the house, brah. <laughs> right. Can we talk about the Goetia? No, we can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what this is for. <laughs> yeah. Nope. No, I, I don't um, think those guys really got too heavy into that stuff. And so what we're going to mainly do uh, to kick off the Celtic Mysteries at his birthday is, is um, uh, a self-dedication ceremony that will be modeled from the initiatory materials that Yates and the other GD Adepti uh, developed. And so that'll be good. And hopefully everyone will enjoy that. And then we'll aim for, for, for the big Celtic initiation uh, to kick off the following year on his birthday in June uh, in 2022 at the John D and Edward Kelly's town in Prague. So we'll probably also fuse it with an Enochian retreat oh, cool. uh, so that people can dive into Celtic stuff and Enochian stuff over the, over a one week period at, at the tower where a lot of it happened. And, and the yeah, basements awesome. underneath the tower, the rooms are large enough, these stone based, they're actual dungeons, but they're decked out to be like almost borderline touristy alchemical laboratories, but there's enough Ooh. floor space across the three huge antechambers underground uh, to, you could actually have an entire Golden Dawn temple in one, an entire vault in the other, and another temple or working space in another. You could have a lot of different things done there or just a class. It's just an amazing space and it's Prague. So it's all quite affordable. And there's right. living accommodations that you can rent that um, are run by an American uh, manager. So there's a lot of options for something that would be a worthwhile destination trip for people people too that uh, sounds that sounds badass yeah right and like there's a cafe with all alchemical stuff paintings on all of the walls and all their drinks are fuming of with smoke (laughs) it's all like you know it's like three four dollar cocktails because it's Prague. yeah i was wondering what was going to happen with uh with that planned yeah uh, event because i was like oh it fused together 
Um, and and then the following year, we'll hopefully be able to negotiate to uh, do stuff in Ireland at Yates's Magical Tower Tour Balali. And if not, mm -hmm. there's always the Hill of Tara, which is open, and you can just right. anyone can show up there in the morning or night. I first went there at for sunrise in 2003 with the robe on I'm wearing right now. If you take care of your things, they last, eh? And uh, and dedicated myself to the Celtic Mysteries as a photo of it from 2003. And yeah, it's been a lifelong thing that I will never stop doing and just growing day by day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just um I just got hold of something that I think you'll be jazzed about, actually. Well, I say I just got a hold of it. It's still, it's still lost in the mail currently because the USPS is falling apart. But um. I found a copy of um, Yeats's vision papers. So like the notes oh. from, from when he was writing a vision. Um, and I guess there's like a couple of different volumes of it. There's and I got volume three. Of his, of his vision publication, but you're talking about the notes, not- Yeah, the, the notes, yeah, the notes. So what's, um, it, what's, who compiled it? What's the book? I can tell you, cause I just pulled it up on Amazon. Um, boo, Giddy boo, up. Boo, boo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Yeats's vision papers, volume three, sleep and dream notebook obviously because I'm me and that's where my interest lies um mm. and let's see so it was published by Paul Grave Macmillan uh and I don't know who compiled or edited it does not say but I gather that it is um essentially just a lot of the raw automatic writing that he and uh he and his wife did while they were working on a vision so I'm pretty excited about that I think that's going to be really interesting to dive into Yates's vision papers and it's is this edited is this one by George Mills Harper and Mary Jane Harper that I don't know it doesn't say on Amazon um it just says that it was published by Paul Grave Macmillan as a first edition so oh, I'm not sure I think that's yeah. a pretty uh a rare book uh, um, it is I've that's that's the vibe I've been in lately is acquiring yeah, rare books there's no there's no picture on it for the am on the amazon.ca website no picture oh really and, yeah you can it does say they have two used copies for 90 bucks so yeah and yeah. get it um i think those uh yeah so in the critical edition um that i finally got my hands on of the original release that they they do actually get incorporate that material and i just have to get the uh, follow-up one but again it's it's a lot of stuff i did study back in the day i was and it doesn't interact too much with the Celtic mystery stuff, but I'd like to make it interact more. So that will be that'll be something that I think everyone involved in the Celtic mysteries brings to the table mm -hmm. as we develop it over the five, six year period of going through all of the initiations together and uh, developing a, a workable Irish Celtic system. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Really, it's... Not just Irish Gaelic, because it, it will be right. Scottish and Irish and the Manx doesn't really play a, a major role from what I can tell, but those are the Gaelic languages, Irish, Scottish, and Manx. And it's like, like I've said before, it's such a lovely, uh, a different stream of Celtic mythology from the Brythonic, which is centered around the Welsh, Cornish, and Breton, which is mm -hmm. what also uh, John Michael Greer so wonderfully has put together and packaged in a variety of forms for, for people to use. And, you know, the fact that he went the Brythonic route and I was expecting him to go Gaelic and that just left that wide open. It's like, okay, it's got to get done. 
right? Exactly. Yeah. It's your calling, your life work. It's, it's right it's, there. It's a beautiful, fun thing to uh, do as a magician, for sure. I mean, I, I, in many ways, I'd much rather dive into fairy magic. And that's why I talk about Celtic Wicca, fairy Wicca all the time. And people <laughs> always think I'm joking. But I'm like, no, it's just great stuff. Like the fairies are, are wonderful and horrifying. <laughs> Definitely horrifying. I'm not sure about no. wonderful. <laughs> depends how much mushrooms you take. Well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's awesome, though. I'm glad that that's still um, still taken over, just taking a slightly different, a different direction than, than was planned maybe for 2021. I mean, I don't know. I think any of us could have imagined where things were going to be necessarily. I'm supposed to be traveling to the UK in um, July, yeah, yeah, and no. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll no, see. We're, we're only now allowed to sort of get together. I actually finally have a little social event this evening that I get to Ooh go do oh, and yeah. see other people still at a distance because you know we want to keep my my mom safe and right the, of course. the evidence is not yet in on uh, asymptomatic stuff and uh antibody uh catching it again things and you know mm -hmm. they don't even want to test us too much for that stuff or or because it's so you know they can't they can't get into it they can't do the science because it's too political it's so weird <laughs> mm -hmm. but again it's been that stuff's been covered ad nauseum we'll we'll just have to wait and see yeah, it's getting worse uh, down here just because, like, I'm in the U.S. just can't get a shit together, basically. Um, well, it's getting worse up here, level. too. Like, they've got stay-at-home orders in, in Ontario now. You're not yeah. supposed to leave your house and, and all these yeah. things. And, and all the act, all my actor friends, all those pretty motherfuckers in Vancouver, they're okay. still, like, tindering the shit out of every single day of their life. Oh, of course. And of so course. it's like the rest of us have to be, be more locked down just for all these these horny people who just can't stop fucking. Just so these actors can go get laid. Well, that's who's probably spreading it. If anyone's spreading right. it, right? It's all these people, if everyone's just running around fucking their brains out. It's the, it's the sacrifice the that regular folk like you and I have to make so yeah. that people can go enjoy themselves. Whatever. Um, that's funny. Yeah, New Orleans is, we're back to being like 300 cases a day, which I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but people don't realize that this is a very, very small town. So 300 cases a day is significant I'd it's say like that's a lot. 10 10 percent infection rate or something it's pretty high it's getting up there um and florida is crazy like i i traveled to florida over christmas and yeah, um i did nice. not it's it was lovely but i did not realize that florida uh does not have a mask mandate you can you can go into stores in florida and do whatever the fuck you want they don't give oh, a yeah. shit yeah, because yeah, their governor does not believe any of this is real. He doesn't so. believe it's real. Um, and <clears throat> like Korea never locked down. My interview with the mm -hmm. fellow in Korea was awesome. And, and they've never locked down. What they do is when someone gets it, they monitor everyone who came into contact. That person, they have a yeah, system in place for doing it. And like that's effective, it sounds like. And then, of course, New Zealand's doing great. A lot of places are doing great yeah. that, where it's not hyper politicized. So hopefully we can, you know, hopefully. With, well, Australia, uh, Australia is doing pretty good, too, like where I'm from. Um, the the state in Australia that I'm from, I don't think they ever had any cases. They maybe had like three cases ever over the entire course of the pandemic. And then they just locked, locked shit up. Oh, and wow. so like, I have all these friends from back in Perth and they're posting on their Instagram stories, like them in crowded bars and crowded nightclubs. And it's, there's a cognitive dissonance that takes place where I'm like, you guys are in a totally different reality right now. Oh yeah. What's well, when I, was What's it like? when I was in California, <laughs> right? When I was stuck there, like people were literally saying to my face, like they were saying officially and in per private, they were saying like people were screaming into my face, you know, that it couldn't transmit at, at the BLM rallies. 
that it wasn't mm. capable like they and I was like but you don't you know it you know it can still transmit at any interaction they're like no because and they would say because it's such a good cause it can't wait people transmit. really said that yeah too? like real people actually had had swallowed that pill whatever color like, it who was said that to you? because I've never heard that I and, will say yeah, like I'm, no. I'm in I've never heard anyone say that it, it's, it's, I have heard people say it's less likely because a lot of those events like and you know there is like a it's right, anti-intellectualism at its finest um, there's also the, you know, there's the, there's the reality that like a lot of these people had lost their jobs. These were, some of these guys were, who thought this were like Uber drivers and, sure. uh, okay. and they had lost their ability to, to Uber. And, um, when, and there's the science shows that when you can't, if you have bills that you can't pay, your IQ drops one standard deviation. I've heard so this. If you're actually, not, read, yeah, this I is a, this this science. This is a mm -hmm. fact, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you feel it. Like I felt it. Like if I'm like desperate to pay a bill at some point in my life or like I actually just got a $5,000 medical bill from the healthcare Canada yeah whoever says our healthcare is free is full of shit um because like they're like you right. have $5,000 I'm like I haven't used your our healthcare in years because you don't believe in autoimmune diseases really and they're like <laughs> well tough shit you gotta still pay it and that's that's real so when you can't pay a bill you do feel a little stressed for sure yo for and, sure and stress we, is is a brain cell killer and so if basically. you're already if you're already more an average iq person that's gonna that's gonna make a real difference in how you behave like and you might start saying sure. stupid stuff like like you know it's it's the same kind of stuff that would make people think that you know they can't transmit being sick through the the take partaking in the the glass of wine at, at a communion because Jesus is so mm. strong. Like, like mm -hmm. even the priests and the Pope won't be like shizzle. They'll be like, uh, please don't do that if you're sick, you know? <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> Let's not test yeah. the blood of Christ here. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard, I haven't, I have, I have to say, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in all sorts of weird corners of the internet. Uh, all over the place. That's, that's what, that's what I do. I talk to people and I listen, but, um, I have not heard anybody say that it's impossible to transmit because it's a good cause. I, I did hear a lot of people say like, and they I said you it know, on I, the news in California. They actually said oh it on the news on like, yeah, um, like official I mean, what people I, were saying that for a minute or two. And then, mm -hmm. you know, then they would say it again once in a while here and there. I mean, well, it's like, it's, it's part of that same behavior. I mean, they, 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 they were saying all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, I was there when, when Gavin Newsom shut down all the vineyards and I was hanging out with vineyard owners and their families mm -hmm. in the small town I was in. And they were really traumatized by the fact that their businesses were just were crushed. For and sure. It yeah. was left open because, you know, as the governor, he, he knew how to handle it. It's like, yeah, that sucks. Like humans yeah. aren't, you know, humans can be dumb, but we're not that fucking stupid. Right we can we can we can see the writing on the wall yeah yeah it's 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 hard it's like um, you're full of shit when someone says that it's like <laughs> we may have to do what you say but we know you're we deep down we know you're fucking just a fucking liar yeah for real it's i don't know i don't know man it's all a mess um it's all a mess a i was gonna mess. say like what i what i did see what i witnessed personally um is certainly you know, in the footage that I watched and, and in New Orleans where I live is that most of the, the left leaning rallies, people were showing up with masks uh, and that was not always the case in the more right leaning 
things. I mean, we had an event, I think, I think you saw me rant about this. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, I'm not sure. But um, there was this event that took place in New Orleans a couple of months ago, a little bit before Christmas. I want to say it was like early November where um, this guy named Sean Fucht, Fucht, I think it's fucked actually. I think you pronounce his last name fucked, which is there's a town in funny. Austria called fucking Austria, and there it's, you go. it's it's monthly uh, uh, money, it's monthly uh, taxes, uh, go primarily to replacing the town sign on the freeway every month <laughs> or multiple times. One and you'll it's one of, you, you can Google it and just see all the people. Like I was in, I did a show in uh, Car, uh, Freiburg one day, and a bunch of the bar staff were like, "Yo, we're gonna all drive to fucking Austria and take photos in the morning with a sign." Amazing. I was like, that's crazy. I'm gonna go to a nightclub that opens at midnight because that's when they all open. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Europe, Europe does it right. They go. They start dancing at like one or two a.m. and dance and leave the club at sunrise. And yeah, as that's, you should. That's if, what it's for. Um, you're older and you go out less and less. When you do go out, you really want to like. You got to go hard. Yeah, that's, that's dance, the plan. Dance your ass off. Nothing like dancing for six hours straight. Anyway. But so this 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 fucking guy, literally this fucking guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. It's spelled F E U C H T. Your mileage Ooh. may vary on on the pronunciation Ooh. on that. But um, sounds he's like some he's guy. Either way you say it. Exactly right. Um, I guess he. I think he's from California. Um, and he's a uh, you know a. Well, then he's definitely fucked. Truly, um, a right-wing political activist and a like a religious man. Uh, I was going to use the word zealot, but you know, zealot. Uh, but he's uh, he came in, he rolled into town, and set up this sort of illicit prayer rally slash concert um, in in downtown New Orleans. And the mayor had like been warned that he was going to come into town and do this. And she basically, I guess, sent him an email that was like, "Please don't." And he just like didn't respond to the email and then he did anyway. And so like it was it was this weird thing where like he was not granted a permit to like hold this gathering. He came into a public area downtown and held a gathering anyway. Naturally, no one was wearing masks. It was a bunch of people clustered together singing about the Lord, which is fine. I mean, you're entitled to do that. But um, he's admitted that he basically uses that um, the sort of smokescreen of the prayer rally to avoid being prosecuted for you know flagrantly ignoring city mask mandates and, and coronavirus well didn't, didn't blm even incorporate as a church just to uh, continue oh i have no idea things? yeah they did they, they're a church know. now and a lot of people that's one thing i like about um i noticed in berlin at the at the the center the, the head church for the christian community which is rudolf steiner's anthroposophical church um based mm -hmm. you know for the walder school and they have a whole church called christian community and it's basically rosicrucian hermetic priests uh though it's it's and it's quite beautifully done the the art the the astral kind of artwork they do in that in in anthroposophy is quite amazing and really similar to how the astral plane has always look to me as I experienced the astral train before I really started researching what anthroposophy was really about and I was like oh that's what Steiner's on about that's why in Eurythmy we wear these flowing veils it really replicates the way you feel energy as you're moving through those realms or even just in ritual it's it's that flowing underwater sort of thing right whereas if you uh yeah and uh they uh, incorporated as a corporation and don't take advantage of the the church 
laws that they could take advantage of because they don't believe the churches should be free from taxes and exempt from all the same standards that the rest of the world has to live by. And I was like, right. that's a really, that's a very, I was surprised. I was like, wow, you're surprisingly noble to not take advantage of the loopholes churches get and be a corporate church uh, on paper so that you are held to the same standards as the rest of human life. And that is a very anthroposophical idea. Um, that, totally. we're, that we're not special, that no one's special and should no one should be exempt from the, you know, the, the consensus of, of law that we, uh, we, the laws of we land. try to agree to. We try to get along with each other and agree to certain norms and standards of behavior so that we, you know, can flourish and not live lives of quiet desperation, <laughs> persecution. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> uh... So, I mean, I'm curious, um, what, what does uh, sensitivity training in the Golden Dawn look like? For, like, I mean, there, I assume there's some kind of program to, uh, to work on that formally. You know, uh, it mostly revolves around exercises and rituals to do with the body of light. But I think mm. um, I can't really separate out. Um, I didn't get... I got some training from from the adepts uh, who are ahead of me and teaching us, but I found that my experiences uh, coming through that indigo child psychical training world from mm -hmm. youth onward gave me a lot to work with that that they did not touch on. And when I started, when I became an adept and started teaching that stuff, it did jump to a whole other level, and that was because I had paid attention to the advice that I'd gotten from psychics my mom took me to and mm. and the the rest of the occult world uh, especially like books like uh, shockingly like Barbara and Brendan's Hands of Light and those sort of things and uh, I was really into crystal healing uh, as a kid and that was a big thing I would you know use the chakra stones work with different stones and plants and, and sensing their energies and also testing myself with friends uh, in my Wiccan coven and and once you even weren't in my little coven, uh, we would we would test and challenge our sensitivity training, and uh, that is uh, something that I think we should talk about because I think people are are curious about it. Um, yeah, what's what's yeah. what's the what's the model? Do you have a, a model of the aura? Because there's several models for the aura that huh. that people work with, and do you have a model of the aura that you? sort of subscribe to or have used mainly i mean you know what i guess not in terms of like i feel like i have my own conception that's been kind of cobbled together from various things exactly um and you know i think a part of that is that i am in a space with my practice where i'm you know i'm and i said this again on a live that i did the other night like i'm very aware that there's a lot of things that i don't know um most things in fact i would say i don't know most things um and you know in a space of absorbing and learning still and being very cognizant of how much i have left to learn so i don't like to speak definitively <clears throat> about any like systems or structures I use because they're so in a kind of space of experimentation and growth. But what I've been working on at the moment is a system that kind of, I don't, I don't even really know how to describe it, honestly. Like I'm working a lot with, uh, you know, serpent energy, Kundalini energy. I'm working a lot with the concept of like 
the, the, the star above and the root below. So when I'm doing our work or I'm grounding or anything like that, that's sort of where, like where I start and where I focus on. It's sort of this idea of like connecting above and co connecting below and building that sort of, um, you know, pillar of light or, or tree of light within, less so like that kind of aura as boundary. I'm not sure how I feel about the idea of like the aura as a, uh, as a shield or a shell. I'm not sure about it. Yeah. Well, so in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the one of the things I liked about how it was laid out for me in the Golden Dawn was, was in a threefold understanding of the inner aura, uh, and the middle aura and the outer aura. And I thought oh, I like that, that that was that was a very useful way of thinking about it. And of course, they in the Golden Dawn we don't use the term aura except as a as a, a sort of a throwaway term. We don't okay, really like technically. Almost. Yeah, yeah. We you know in parlance you can use it, but in technical language we would say sphere of sensation. And I really mm -hmm. like that word because it it includes within what is relevant to our consideration whatever you're capable of sensing and why would you exclude something you're capable of sensing hmm, I like right? that yeah and so for that's that's I thought that's a good starting point now you can easily of course then fit subdivisions that you'll find in like the the chakra layer uh, outline of the aura which is what Brennan works with where she hmm. starts with the she corresponds them to the seven chakras which makes a lot of sense uh, of course, there's multiple chakra systems, so she, you can tell she's using the Western New Age one, but she starts mm -hmm. with the etheric layer and then moves to the emotional, then the mental, then the astral, and then the etheric template level, and then the, um, I believe after that, it's the ast uh, celestial, and then the ketheric template level, mm. which I found was really interesting when I got into Kabbalah, because I was like, Wait, does this Kether thing in the Kabbalah have something to do with Brennan's Ketheric template level that she has in her New Age system? And I was like, yeah, eventually realized, of course it did. She's using, adopting a word from Kabbalah to refer to the crown or the first chakra, the crown chakra, and applying it to that outermost layer of the aura. And that Ketheric template level would basically be your higher self in its fullest form as mm -hmm. it's embodied around you. Um, some people might like to, in the Golden Dawn language, uh, conflate Holy Guardian Angel with that. I was going to say, yeah. and people do that though. It's it's really not technically accurate, though. It's not necessarily the worst mistake you can make. I mean, <laughs> it's it's. I mean, we have to we have to deal with the fact that the word Holy Guardian Angel was was employed by a lot of people in history as a synonym for higher or true self or genius or Hia or Yehida or greater Neshama. We have to contend mm -hmm. with the fact that it was if it if you can if you're coming across the phrase Holy Guardian Angel and you can tell that's how they're using it as a synonym or a loosely conflated term. Well, you can get your panties in a wad, or you can just say that's how they're using it and understand what they mean and not think oh well but this is some sort of ontological denial of the true essence of the word no it's just not how that person is using it there and you know be smart about it and just acknowledge that and move on don't no need to get upset right. about it <laughs> right right no i tend to agree um you know we these terms 
are used differently depending on who is using them and in what system and in what way, you know, I think things become metaphor, you know, um, and that's how I feel about the ways in which I read that term and how it's thrown around, you know, yes. it becomes a metaphor for something, something else. And that's fine. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So the German that Steiner actually uses, like he says things like Gefühlen Seele, like the feeling soul. He says the word soul for each of these layers of the aura, uh, which I think is uh, very interesting because he does see it as all just part of your soul. And, and in that sense, referring to everything that you sense as part of this sphere of sensation is quite helpful. Yeah. I mean, I guess like there, there's an interesting discussion. I mean, the soul is in my personal understanding of it like the soul is the energetic body like that's what that is it's this it's the spirit body right so that yeah. makes sense to me like the different layers or parts of the soul if you will um i think i have trouble though with the i mean i i like the idea of layers or um you know different centers and the ways that they can sense things differently like but to I, I don't know. I think there's something there's something about that that I struggle with simply because locating things in a specific place, like you know the chakra system, I I like it. Um, you know from what I've read, um, and I'm sure that there's a lot that I haven't read again. Um, but there's something about locating things in space, like within the body on the body, that I struggle with a tiny bit, um, and I'm not sure why, but. I think it's useful for visualization purposes, but I yeah. struggle with it in philosophically, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Understandably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the, so the idea really with the chakra layers of the aura is the idea is that the energy that is emitted from the chakra, the sacral chakra, right mm -hmm. out around at the base of your spine, the idea is that that energy that that center emits doesn't extend more than an inch inch and a half mm. from around your body like that's the that's where that energy is focused and contained because mm. it's the most immediate or etheric layer of the aura and then when you move up to the next chakra in your in your belly um that's your emotional aura and it extends a little bit further beyond that and then mm. you get to the mental um, and that extends slightly beyond that. And rather than being a confused uh, muddle of, of colors, uh, it's seen as a you know, gold light. And the etheric mm. is, of course, just a sort of a electrical blue sort of haze. And um, that a lot of people, and again, a lot of people see this. A lot of people see this. Right. Um, people who are strong clairvoyance. I'm, I'm not, but I am going to tell you how I got to develop sight even though it wasn't my forte and I was given very good advice that was really amazing uh, and, and true. <laughs> and then- so Yeah, I was about to mental, ask actually, I was yeah. about to say like, do you see auras? Um, what's, that, what's that like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, um, you can dive in anytime. Tell me that story. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. So, so you get the idea of the auras expanding further and further, depending sure, yeah. on which chakra they are. <clears throat> the crown one, of course, is the divinest. So it, it, it interpenetrates them all and extends the farthest, but is also the, the hardest to see um, those layers because it's a subtlest, it's the subtlest form of the energy. That's the chakra mm -hmm. idea. And so in, in the Golden Dawn, they simplify all of that and just say, look, there's this, the inner aura, and that would be of course the include the the etheric layer the mental and uh, the emotional and then the mental 
and then the, the, the middle aura would be just the astral. And so you, the idea is you, in that system, you can't really uh, play with the, the etheric Met, uh, emotional and mental auras too much. They are automatic, and they correspond to those lower chakras. And so they're they're automatic representations of what's going on in your physiology, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're if you're if you're cut, you'll see that in the in the etheric aura close to the body because it's representing that most physical layer of yourself. And you might huh. see reactions in the emotional colors beyond it, and then the the, the mental beyond that. And of course, in healing and spiritual healing, you want to look for where that where that stops. You want to look for where that stops because you might see, oh, I've cut my finger. I can see this 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 tear in the etheric, and I can see a reaction in the emotional, but I'm not seeing any effect in the in the in the mental layer, which means it's not really perturbing me. So then you have a sense of what you can work with directly if you're doing huh. direct energy work on that specific thing. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it is. But so the but the astral aura is then in this system of thought, um, the most controllable because it is beyond it does extend beyond the etheric, men, emotional and mental. And it is sort of controlled by the mental. So it's like your control over your thoughts and your emotions does impact your ability to extend that astral body more and more. And to the point that it can actually, of course, as we know, become detached and move throughout time and space. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what <clears throat> essentially, in theory, allows psychism to function, is your control of your astral body. And then the cleanliness of the connection by which that, that energy and those readings are transmitted through your mental and emotional. It's why you want to sort of be somewhat clear or have self-knowledge to enough extent that when those transmissions of the astral body come down through the, the subtler layers of the mental and emotional, you don't want to get caught up with a, in a misreading of just sensing your own disturbed energy. You want it to be as clean and as clear state as possible. Totally. And that's where, where there's a good question for you as a professional psychic, like how important do you find it to be your mental and emotional state before you do a reading? Is it something you can just bypass by virtue of some sort of spiritual power or authority or just uh, <laughs> like, you know, some, some, some helper spirit or fairy that lets you uh, achieve that mystical knowing or gnosis of, of a thing a person's asking about? Or does that sort of clarity and purity have an impact on your the accuracy of your reading? You know, I think that's a really good question. Um... We're getting into it, eh? Yeah, I, li I like it. It's a it is a great question. Um, I think you know. I think that in a in a pinch, <laughs> when pushed, there are things that I can you know call on to help me get to where I need to be to do a reading if I'm like in a more distressed state or if there's you know I mean if there's anything wrong like if I've had a terrible day or if I'm you know not feeling well like there are definitely things that I can do um, and spiritual allies that I can call on that can help me out in, in getting to the place that I need to be at to get the knowledge and the information that I need. But it's not ideal. Um, and I do tend to find that it's not as clean and not as like the connection is just never as good. You know, if it, it all tends to feel more forced um, and a lot more stressful and, and much more of a strain. Like it's kind of like, I guess, it's like, 
I don't know, doing a, a, full, a full day's labor in the garden when you're feeling 110% and you've had a great night's sleep and you, you know, didn't drink the night before VS like going out and doing that if you're hungover <laughs> and, uh, and got two hours sleep and have a cold coming on or whatever. Um, you know, you can get help to, to do that yard work when you're hungover. You can, you know, get better tools or, you know, a earth mover or something or like a fucking ride on lawnmower but you're still gonna feel pretty shitty mowing the lawn if you didn't get any sleep and are hungover so like that's kind of how how I feel about it like I can if I need to do a reading in a state of duress emotional uh imbalance but it's not really ideal and so like that's hard because I work you know, a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of readings and I'm a human. So I have days where things are not going great in my personal life and I'm stressed and I have, you know, feelings about things. And there have definitely been times where I've had to sort of message a client and say, look, um, this is, this is no longer going to be a great day to do this. Uh, we can, if you really need to, you know, if this is important for you to get this reading at this specific time, for whatever reason, we can push ahead, but I need you to know that it's not necessarily going to be the best clearest cleanest reading um it might be you know a little bit more key to make that connection so that's been my experience um and i'm you know i'm i feel fortunate that i do now have a practice where i have um you know spiritual foundations in place that if i absolutely need to i can work in a state of greater duress and i mean apart from anything else it's also just nice to know that you have that support there if you're not feeling great like it's nice to know that i can call on that support if i'm feeling garbage and blocked and and stressed out and upset it's 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 very comforting to know that i have things in place that can buffer me and and soothe me through that experience but sometimes you just want to uh hide under a blanket and not deal with that shit really <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if that's a good answer but but that's the answer so yeah so uh, it, it just it's uh, it's something that we all sense is that the the purity or the cleanliness of our of our spheres really impacts our ability to clearly receive what totally. we're getting and and that's like the idea is isn't that that you have to struggle to achieve communications from your your higher self or the higher levels of your soul the idea really has always been that it's always there always talking spirits are all are, are chitter chattering jibber jabbering non-stop right the only question is what are you receiving are you open to receiving it so when it comes to talking about receiving transmissions or knowledge in conversation with say your true will or your higher self you know that's the most subtle layer of your body trying to get through all these other denser layers into your consciousness and yeah. if they're muddled up uh it's going to get lost in transmission or you might misinterpret it quite radically um and start reading something else that's that's there in your sphere especially with like the etheric template level where you have sort of the karmic model of your soul in this life which is where the astrological elements would come into play because of course well and your celestial body it's conditioned by your celestial body and mm -hmm. uh, and that third eye aura that would come out from that third eye chakra and to go beyond that even of course you're getting into that causal highest level seventh layer of the aura or the outer or the true self is as mystics like even thomas merton referred to it 
And if you want to get those clearest transmissions, it's good to even take care of your physical body. The first advice I was given by this famous psychic was stop drinking carbonated beverages. <laughs> really? Eat more fruit. That's funny. And so I gave That's up, funny. I was uh, 13 at the time and I gave up carbonated beverages the next day and pretty much stayed off them for a, primarily for a long time. You know, I would dip into that, that dark, darkly splendid world here and there at the odd <laughs> Dragons game or something like that. But I also, oh, I, I didn't drink, I didn't drink uh, booze at all during that, my, my teenage years. So I was, I was pretty, yeah. pretty clean, clean and pure when it come, came to that stuff anyway. Um, but it, it did definitely make a difference in my ability to sense energy because I was working with feeling. I could definitely feel the energy around crystals and plants and things like that. Right. And I found I could move and, and manipulate them. And, and I would test myself uh, quite rigorously. Me and my friends who would do these experiments uh, day in and day out together, we would do th even simple things like, you know, put down a, a plain white piece of paper or cloth and put a crystal on it. And we would we would show this to each other, even to our friends who had never, we found the best results and experiments came from grabbing a buddy of ours who had no knowledge of this stuff or no, no interest in it at all. And then we would say, this is what we're doing. And this is it. Does this work? And it, and it would, right? Mm -hmm. So we'd be like, can you feel that? They're like, oh my God, what the fuck? No, don't take it away. What? It's like, yeah, you're <laughs> sensing that, that crystal on that, that white silk cloth with your hand above, you're sensing it. And then we would have them close their eyes and we would move it somewhere else on the cloth and we would mm. we'd, we'd give them the param they knew how where how big the problem was and they'd move their hand and try and sense where it had been moved to and they would uh, like increasingly well more over and over and over i remember the first yeah. time i had a buddy uh, uh do it to me he moved it off the cloth and it, it was <laughs> frustrating because i was like i can't sense it i can't sense it it's not and, here <laughs> i opened my eyes i'm like what the hell and he's he's like, oh, I was trying to trick you. It's like that's not how this works. Like if you're if you're doing weightlifting with someone in a gym and you're like, okay, increase the weight, and then they put on like too much or take it all off, you could hurt them and you could hurt their development and also destroy trust. And if you think you don't need trust when you're doing these sort of subtle experiments with someone, well, <laughs> guess again, right? Yeah, truly. That you know, that's an important step though that I feel like people don't talk about enough, which is like when you're developing these skills, um, or I mean, frankly, even even when they're developed, like that kind of <clears throat> that kind of um, you know experimentation and and testing process, I think is very important because yeah. otherwise you do get uh, and this this is going to stray into like a, a personal pet rant that I've been on on a tear about recently but um <laughs> you get it you get um swayed by your own ego it's so easy uh once you start developing these skills to start feeling like you're a superhuman and that you're super special and that you can do these things that no one else can do and then i think it gets very easy to to get high on your own supply <laughs> frankly for sure um and stop putting those checks and balances into place and then you know maybe it does mean that you're not cleaning yourself properly and you're not um <clears throat> you know, doing the work that you need to do to make sure the current is coming through pure. A question that people used to ask me all the time is like, what do you do to prepare for a reading? Like, do you do anything special? Do you do a ritual? Do you, um, you know, do you ground? You know, everybody's fucking favorite two words at the moment are grounding and manifesting. Um, <laughs> I'm so that's tired of hearing both of those terms. Um, they've been saying sorry. this for a long time. It's not, it's not. Oh, I know. Uh, but I just feel like the, the, the new age Instagram people have a hold of those terms now. And it's just a, a ceaseless 
reel of regurgitated nonsense. But anyway, that's a, a completely other rant. But um, you walk in those worlds, so you're going to keep encountering that sort of. Uh, that's true. Um, that's stuff. true. It, it, like people will be very excited about discovering a Lefus Levy or Agrippa, and it's like, okay, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like you know there are like 500 books you got to read before you. Have- <laughs> the most rudimentary basic understanding of the occult world right, right. And, you know yeah read that they stuff don't understand and, that and then, they do and not then, understand yeah that. a lot of people don't realize you have to read all that stuff and then you start off and then you work with it and then you hit a wall and then you find people to help guide you through those walls and then you start looking at that stuff again and it's 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 a constant adventure it is so much and that's, fun. that sh- should be the purpose but you know I, really all you need to be a witch uh, or an occultist is you just need some jars and some incense and then you're good actually you're you're fine maybe some crystals anyway rants but um people would ask me what do you do and and like i don't really i mean i my answer would be well i don't really do anything special like before i start a reading for a client i don't like you know sequester myself away for 30 minutes and like go through any kind of elaborate process but in a sense that's kind of a lie like I do do things it's just that I'm constantly doing them and I'm doing them for my benefit I'm not doing them just because I'm about to have a client and I'm about to do a reading for someone else like I do them because it's part of keep just keeping myself you know baseline afloat and I think you're totally right you know it's about taking care of your body it's about um you know taking care of your etheric body your energetic body like it's um it's not something I do just to do readings, but it is something that helps with that clarity of connection. And, you know, quitting, quitting drinking was a big part of that because somehow, God knows fucking how, but somehow I managed to muddle through many, many years of giving readings hungover. And uh, it's not, it's not a fun, it's not a fun experience for anybody. Steiner actually, <laughs> uh, Steiner lectured on on the on what he observed clairvoyantly on the of the effects on the aura directly of the, the use of different drugs from cannabis to heroin mm. to cocaine to opium and and so on. He actually looked at that stuff a lot, and uh, we had a te- art teacher in grade eleven who who gave us the spiel and what he observed and how it, you know, how it would se- cause there to be a separation between, say, the emotional body and the mental body. For sure, um, yeah. Or, or this or that and the other thing. A lot of different stuff he did. Um, I think one one of the very interesting parts of the uh, development I experienced was. I couldn't see stuff and I was very frustrated by this, especially when I was like 12, 13, 14, because I, I was hoping and expecting to be able to see something with my physical eyes. And so uh, right. the advice I got was, was that people usually have a primary sense and it's usually either feeling or seeing. Yes. Um, more rare is smelling, tasting and hearing. But what, you, what she said was so valuable to me is she said, you need to stop trying to see when it's not your primary sense. She's like, if you're a clairsentient mm. fundamentally, focus on that. And the stronger you develop that muscle, the, the other ones will develop in synchronicity with that primary trait. So totally. always totally. only focus on only train your primary sense and the others develop with that. And when she said that, I was like, okay, okay. And I took it very seriously and I started doing exercises all day and night to develop my feeling even stronger and mm-hmm. and i would do that even the the basic 
exercise Brennan would give is, is very effective where you just rub your hands together quickly, create a bit of friction so you can really energize your sensitivity and put your hands as closely together, palms out as you can and just feel that that etheric aura between your hands it's very it's very rich and very solid mm -hmm. it's a definite but as you get your hands a bit further it becomes a bit lighter at about about an inch to two inches of separation you can really if you practice that enough you'll start to feel that dividing line where it gets lighter and looser like your hands are less magnetized and then you're in your emotional Mm -hmm. sphere and then move it further still and you can see feel that borderline it becomes a totally different energy when you're entering into the the mental aura and then further out into the astral which is a very amorphous kind of a vibe and as i did those those practices all the time to develop that sensitivity one day i was just then in class in grade 10 and I, i'll never forget it but all of a sudden i was just looking at the teacher and the blackboard which was a great background and i saw like light all around his body and i was like oh what the fuck? oh wow that's what so cool. the fuck is that <laughs> and i just like th that really threw me for a loop and and that was that was that was rough actually it became so intense that it was very hard to focus on physical objects for a while after that after i had that breakthrough like oh, everything i looked because it took a while to actually control it and be able to turn it off because that's all i was seeing was just light around everything and mm. and that's still like these days it's it's long you know long since become under control and sometimes it'll be like oh yeah maybe i'll look you know and all of a sudden i'll look and it's like all of a sudden everything becomes bright mm -hmm. to my vision and it's mm -hmm. like very distracting but that's what i can do and and anyone can do that that's steiner's main point is this is just a natural feature it's why he taught about 12 senses instead of five in his curriculums you right. know and corresponded to the zodiacal signs of course and all of these things and that's where he got into a bit of trouble people th thinking he was just totally off his rocker but he's like no i'm talking about spirituality here not science and they're like there's no such difference if spirituality is real then it, it it then it then it lines up with science otherwise it's done not real and, <laughs> and it's like but this is of course in a time when they didn't even have any glimmer of what was to come with quantum physics and, and all of oh, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, he also disproved what Newton saw in the prism using prisms and light because Newton said you couldn't see this certain thing. And then Steiner was like, went to the scientific community. He's like, look, look, you never look because <laughs> you were going on what you were told. Look. And he shocked a conference and they're like, oh, shit. You do see what huh. Newton said you couldn't see. And now science is now science has discovered what the, what he was sort of pointing to, which is dark matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, Took a that's clairvoyant to to indicate it before, but he didn't do it scientifically, so people just wrote him off. And now that's, it's that's like so the most popular thing in in scientific world is our attempts to perceive dark matter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's fascinating. I'm going to have to read more into that because that is very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, so it's interesting. One of the things me and my friends worked a lot with was the primary colors and creating mm. what has become quite de rigueur in, in, in New Ageism now, which is just like energy balls. I mean, Qigong's been doing it for a long time, but spiritual yeah, yeah. for a long time. But you can create those balls of light in your hand. And the real worthwhile exercise is trying to feel or see them in your partner's hand and and sense them right and what what we did notice was they're always slightly the sensation especially in feeling and i had to find a friend who was also primary feeling so me and my buddy john would do all these experiments we would note down how successful we were and we were you know we weren't um 
you had to be very kind to each other because you're trying to develop <laughs> a muscle with the other person and you're not trying to get up, you know, play gotcha. That's not right at all. at all. You can't take that. You can actually mess your mind up and your ability to interpret these subtle energies quite a bit. If you play those games, um, you don't want to play these games. You want to have a very open, honest uh, sharing with each other about what you're experiencing. And right. so like sometimes, you know, if I put my hand in that ball, he was visualizing and I was like, it, it, it's supposed to be yellow, red or blue, but I'm sensing this orangey thing. And he'd be like, yeah, actually, for some reason, I was just everything I'm seeing is orange when I close my eyes, even though I was focusing on yellow. It's like, mm -hmm. see, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. And that's that's a synchronicity of, of results that's lining up. Like like when I told you before of that one of those first astral travel experiences I had, I saw a classmate in, in the in the grade nine room that I went to. And then the next day she told me she had a dream where she was in the classroom and, and I showed up and walked through a wall and was like, what are you doing? Yeah, here? definitely. And like, so it's like, okay. So this is not make-believe. It's just not straight up make-believe. And I sort of wish it was, like, honestly. Because like, <laughs> it, would, it would really free up a lot of my time in life or would have if I could have just written it all off at an earlier point. I would have loved to write it off. I'd still love to write it off because no one's taking this stuff really that seriously. Or maybe the, uh, maybe the government is still doing, uh, you know, automatic remote viewing uh, oh i'm fucking sure they like are that. yeah, yeah like that's a conspiracy I'm, theory i'm I trying can... to be less conspiratorial <laughs> i mean come on that's like we've we've all read men who stare at goats that's a thing come on now yeah right well the new psychic spies movies with uh or documentary with targ really oh, uh, shows cool. how oh how, it shows how deep it actually went and how the main psychic they had uh allegedly died mysteriously no body was found they had a funeral for him but there's been like alleged communications from him 20 30 years later from some secret base that oh he says gosh. he's been working at for the government all along and people are it's 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 super sketchy oh, all wild. this stuff it's super wow. wild it's like and you noticed how the mainstream has just sort of mainstream community and government has just not talked about any of that stuff in the same way they sort of didn't talk about aliens for forever and like no it's all crazy totally no, no, no aliens now they're like yeah well, they, we've had them this whole time <laughs> oh sorry uh like we're just it's just crazy it's crazy so who knows what other revelations lie ahead of us yeah it will be it will be curious to we... uh to track that um, oh yeah, no, no, I thought I had to pause and get some water, but I actually have a, a bottle of water right here. So that's oh, good. there we go. Look at yeah. that. The universe provides thirsty work so, talking about psychism. It's it is um, that experiment, though, with, with, with sure the balls of light. I did that as talk people. Oh, I'm sure um, I did that as a kid, too, actually, um, without really like, you know, without really being aware of what I was doing or, or in any kind of intentional way, because as, as we've discussed before on our, on our previous four hour podcast, um, I did not grow up in a, in a situation where these kinds of things were um, talked about or- Your parents weren't taking you to psychic training classes? Strangely enough, no. No, no. I know. I don't know why everyone's don't, but I guess I was just less <laughs> special. There you go. You've had this unique experience. You know, no, my parents were uh, were half-heartedly taking me to church, but very half-heartedly. You know, just very like, well, we'll go like occasionally. You talk know, it was talk to the Lord. Surprising when I tried to explain what I was experiencing and doing with some teachers at the Waldorf School, they were very upset. Really? Yes, they were actually they were interested in Steiner to a point. But when you got to the point of starting to develop the things that he said anyone could or should be able to develop, 
they were very defensive, very upset. And like, no, 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 this is for special people. Just they have a bit of that Steiner worship to the extent huh. goes to the extent of them not wanting <clears throat> themselves to have to develop these things because maybe it's hard, too hard or maybe they just want they want to have a bit of that little guru idolatry going on for the man huh. which is unfortunate so they were like no you you can't you can't say these things you can't say that you're developing the same things he said that you should be able to develop wow that's um, so weird yeah no it was quite funny like you know and so they i would i actually got in trouble in grade 11 once for having a conversation with a, an angel on a beach and some people walked by and noticed because it was a very real ex real conversation with with a with a guardian uh, spirit that i worked with had worked with a lot so we had a very very radically real relationship and it would just be actual conversations and i'd see and hear the responses and some people walked by and noticed and i got taken aside by our class teacher and saying like look this is the height of hubris and arrogance for you to be doing these things especially where other people might see them i'm like well we're on wow. a class class sailboat trip i went as private as i could he's like they also saw you on that rocky promontory on that island we were stopping in the harbor of in robes and cloaks summoning air spirits and i'm like but they know I, they all know i do this shit right like they come to me they come to me when they want to know if their boyfriend's cheating on them i take their hand i describe their boyfriend to a t and then i tell them what he's thinking and feeling and he's like yeah that's arrogant you can't do it <laughs> stop doing that <laughs> and uh huh he, he, yeah that was uh you know that was a challenging thing to experience with that, 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 that teacher and mentor of mine. I started then working with a different teacher in the school for, uh, for the next couple of years, Idol, Dr. Idol Tim, who, who was, you know, because it was open to the more golden dawn stuff and realized that I was getting into some serious shit where the other teachers were more worried and cautious and scared for me for what I might uh, unravel. But at the same time, they couldn't deny that since I had joined the Golden Dawn, I'd gone from a straight F student to breaking nonstop academic records every class. So <laughs> they, they didn't know what to do with me in a certain sense. And by the end of, of high school, they were just sort of mostly standoffish, except for the one of them who had no chip on his shoulder you know, the, with the, you know, the PhD and scholar who was just thought I was the best thing that had ever come along. Right. <laughs> you know, he was like, wonderful, wonderful. He wasn't threatened by me. Um, but a lot of the other teachers were. The students weren't shockingly. They just thought it was fucking awesome. You know, <laughs> like, you know, Tommy Chong son was like, yeah, man, I don't know how you do this shit, but it's fucking awesome, man. I'd be like, I'm into Jabron. it. Yeah. Thanks, Jabron. <laughs> you know, they'd all get tarot readings from me or, or whatever. I was that little weirdo who who helped them out uh, and stuff and had very real relationships with all of them. Our high school reunion was quite a special thing full of love and joy and celebration with all all 20 of us that had been in class together for all those years oh, i love that when was that when was the we did our 10-year high school reunion in uh three years ago so it was 16 years hmm. later but as we like to joke that's waldorf math for you <laughs> <laughs> we do it with nice. coloring blocks <laughs> there you um, go no, we actually have advanced calculus happen much sooner than most people, but some people never even get past algebra and some people get into advanced calculus in grade 10. And if you don't get into it and you just sort of suck at math, they don't really pressure you. They're like, okay, that's not your thing. Um, and they let you move on anyway. But then a that's lot of such people a, such have a that good as system. their forte, it's like, yeah, we'll take, we'll take you as advanced as you want and shit. So I was yeah. having private lessons and a bunch of stuff with teachers to go to very advanced levels and things like uh, literary criticism, poetry, and, right. and uh, stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah, and it's why Waldorf produces these really talented and amazing P 
people in a whole bunch of different areas, but they don't require everyone to be a generalist. I mean, there's never, you never get given a multiple choice test, not ever. There's zero hmm. grade. You don't even get graded until you're in high school. There's no letter grades. And, uh, but when you do, they actually give you harder grade gradings than uh, public school, which is stupid because then it makes our students look like they have lower grades for the same percentage of a public school. Mm. Like if you get an A at 85% and I have, can't, don't get an A till like, unless I score 95, 90, when, 95 yeah. A's, when you take those A's and compare them at the college level, it looks like one, one system is produced, you know, it, it's, that's disabled yeah. students. And I tried to explain that to them. Um, as I graduated with a A plus average and a 4.3 GPA, they, I tried to explain that they were disabling the students when they went to college and they didn't see it. They're like, no, we just want higher standards. I'm like, it's not translating because college doesn't look at the percentages, it looks at the letters. So if your letters have a higher requirement than everyone else in the district, you're disabling your own students and they just couldn't hear it. They couldn't hear it. Huh, that's uh, weird. Like Strange that they wouldn't take that criticism on the nose, you know? Yeah, or like the average student in our, region of education for the government you would get honors if you had an 85 percent grade point average our school right. decided to make it more intense and make sure that you couldn't have a single course that you did less than 85 percent in huh. how, how disabling is that so it's like all these students might have gotten honors by any other standard but you've taken that away from them because they got 84 percent in watercolor painting that's so bizarre. Yeah. I lost my honors because of that too, actually. I got an F in Because watercolor. of watercolor painting? I got an F in oh. watercolor painting. And when the college registers, they're like, this is not an academic course. It doesn't actually count towards your GPA. <laughs> We're just going to ignore that. The, the bazillion father at Corpus Christi College said, "We're watercolor painting, what happened here? F, what happened? I'm like, father, <laughs> father I, was there for, I was there for every single class. I chose to do a, a Monet in past in in acrylics but in watercolor and i was there every class for three hours three times a week and i did my my project and the teacher thought i didn't capture the je ne sais quoi of the acrylics with watercolor <laughs> and failed me failed me whereas the other students who decided so to not bizarre. do a representation of a regular picture and just did something expressionist they'd come in do their doodle for 15 minutes and be like it, it captures the spirit of my uh, something and then they'd walk off and go to coffee because they were done and they'd get an A plus. <laughs> you you, uh, you flew too close to the sun. Uh, <laughs> you tried too hard. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. As they say, in German, as they say in German, ich war eine Streber. I was a striver and that's a bad thing, Streber. There you go, there you yeah. go. You, you should have you tried less hard, been less ambitious. Oh dude, with um, my final exams, uh, my te one teacher graded me an A and I said, why? And he said, his reason was, he said, it just didn't seem fair that you're getting all these A pluses. Oh I just thought, God. yeah, he, he literally, I was like, you can't do that. You can't take away three points on my grade for uh, taking it down from an A plus to an A just because you think it's not fair. It makes the other students look even worse. He's like, well, you need to be learn to be humble in this life, you know? And I'm like, buddy, I was like, that's not what you're here to teach me, like, though. <laughs> you're, you're this is like actually as an adult now, I know how actually wicked that was. Mm -hmm. And so I, I challenged it and he went before the other teacher and he said, look, he went over time on his oral presentation. And I said to the teachers, oh oh, I brought in the cassette tape and I said to the teachers, we can time it or you can pay attention to that point at the end 
there where I'm there with my like flowery laced up poet's shirt and my vest and my <laughs> tail with a planetary color satin ribbon holding my ponytail back. You can, you could, we could time it out live on the VHS, but there's no TVs in the school because they didn't allow TVs or computers, of course. Mm -hmm. And, or you could just consider the fact that you see that pause right there at the end where I paused a little too long before the last word. You could consider the fact that it's because I had my pocket, silver pocket watch in front of me and was timing it. So my last word fell as the second hand hit 12. What kind of person do you think I actually am? And they all just like, were like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> A Jesus. plus restored. So five wow. A pluses on the five final project. And uh, yeah, that, that helped me along with the written work to challenge my BA and go straight to grad school after a year of undergrad. That's bananas. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was a good thing. We weren't actually allowed to go to call straight to university from Waldorf School until I did that. And then two other students mm -hmm. uh, made the leap as well. And then another student got into Sarah Lawrence straight away. And so the, all, the, wow. all the local universities were like, okay, we're gonna start letting these, teach, these kids in without going to a parochial college first. Mm -hmm. So we broke some, broke some boundaries there, me and some other smarty pants. Nice, good job. Yeah. Making yeah. it better for everybody else. That's the way. It is a great system of education. It has definitely its strengths and weaknesses, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, coming from a very conventional educational background, it sounds delightful to me. But you would have um, loved it for the for yeah. For the, yeah. You know, and it was expensive, but they also did make sure that they had, if you, if you were the right kid for the program, they would even let you in free. There's usually every class that every grade had one kid that was there free who just family couldn't afford even a couple right. hundred bucks a month because, you know, it, the standard was 750 for per month per kid. I mean, shit, the uh, school I went to was extremely expensive and I do not feel like it uh, was well matched to my learning style or lifestyle or anything else so well the public education system is just a, a shambles and a, a relic of the industrial revolution where it's just oh like, i mean i was fucking <clears throat> i was privately educated but um oh you were no but well, it, of course. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Of course, naturally Celeste. right Ex excuse me bougie bougie situation over here no i mean my uh my parents saved a lot of money to send me to a religious private school in australia and it was um a goddamn nightmare frankly yeah, yeah, it kept it kept my family uh, radically poor my whole life. Like, you oh, know, we, yeah. we had one, one pair of pants and two shirts most of our lives, and we were around all these right. rich kids who, you know, they would go to Hawaii every holiday, and and we yep. would be like, we're going camping, and we thought it's just because what that's what we preferred. It didn't occur <laughs> to us that there was an economic factor there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting how huh? like I had the same experience. Like most of the kids who went to my school were. You know, and when they got their driver's license, they were driving like extremely expensive, like Ferraris and shit to campus. And I was like, I don't know, I didn't learn to drive until I was like 20, 19 or 20, let alone have a car. I was like, no, just going to catch the bus, catch the bus to school. Uh, yeah, no, we, my... we didn't have that because of the ethos of the Walder school parents, like not even mm. the ones that could afford to buy their kids nice cars didn't because they're like, it's Walder school, like fucking don't do that shit. That's the... <laughs> That's that's yeah. So uh, well, that's nice. Like, you'd go to their houses and you'd see these mansions on the side of the mountain and be like, "What? Right? The fuck? Right? For sure. 
And yeah. so, you know, some of us kids figured out the solution to that, which is to start putting on more uh, student led events. Like I did plays we did three, four Yates plays every single year. And we charge the parents 50 bucks each. And if you want a copy there of a play that we wrote, or we do poetry readings and all, we'd all recite poetry and do songs and charge them up the wazoo and, and sell like manuscript copies of our printed work for 75 bucks or raffle off watercolor paint for 150 bucks. And we'd pocket the money and uh, put it towards epic class trips acrylic paintings pretending to be watercolor paintings. exactly exactly we, yeah. we we knew what was going on we knew how to have fun with it and but it was really good to be in such a, a beautiful uh environment and, and so and so artsy and, and inspiring and it was fun you yeah know, most, most kids are still just getting drunk and stoned all the time and fucking their brains out that's what most high school kids do and our school is no exception to that yeah see i did not have that experience either because i went to a uh i mean not that lesbians don't exist they absolutely do but um in, in my <laughs> high school they were very undercover uh it was undercover lesbianism but it was a it was a single single gender school so um it was all very boring honestly um just just a lot of religion and a lot of sport uh, a lot of sport and i don't play sport turns out i'm not good at that i'm not an athletic person so um it was not a great high school experience i just uh was on the internet a lot basically that was that was what i did in high school it's on the internet on the internet learning about uh <clears throat> learning about the occult turns out so you know awesome. there are worse things there are worse things than that but uh <laughs> not that a, not that same environment yeah what take a quick breaks? Bathroom break yeah yeah dude awesome. take a bathroom break all right Let's, All let's right. wrap it up. We are right we're on. back. Are we wrapping up? I don't think we're wrapping up. Oh, I, no, I, I don't know. Pretty... I mean, I have to eat at some point, but uh... right. yeah, we'll do a bit <laughs> I can, more. I guess we're, we're you know live. what I could, I could, I could, we are live. I can always carry my laptop out to the kitchen. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Well, All it's right. really fun talking about uh, this psychic stuff and, and psychic development because it's not something that I've spoken of much for very obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, also, mainly because it doesn't matter what other people say or think about this stuff when it comes to your own development. Totally. Like with my teachers in Waldorf school poo pooing what I was experiencing, even though it was their own guru that, that, they put this stuff in my head in his, yeah, that's hilarious. his books right like I realized and fortunately I found the, the golden dawn in a community of people where I could actually develop talk and, about it and, and talk about it. it yeah and I hear you other hear other people's stories that's what's great about the internet right now or this this uh Teilhard de Chardinian neosphere of consciousness that is circles the globe that we all connect over is that we're hearing each other's stories and I'm talking to different people every day and I'm doing like very lengthy sessions with uh, personal students I did a long session last night and we're talking we're looking at self-initiation models and, oh, awesome. and we're, we're going to run certain experiments and we're going to eventually in a few years re reveal the results of the experience experiments and and uh, <laughs> and I think this stuff is worth working with and testing because um you know a lot of it is uh is is real and and works i mean you can test uh like for example here's 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 a shocking one telekinesis <laughs> i hate the All phrase right. i hate the phrase pk it's fucking stupid oh but, i love uh, it but if it you reminds love me it, of like ridiculous animes from like yeah but the, I don't you know, know <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't matter all that matters is can you set up a little station for testing which is there's right. various models of stations um, and I used to teach it at Temple Tehuti in a very specific way that outraged a lot of people in the temples across the world and magical community because they're like, well, probably because they couldn't 
teach it themselves or didn't understand the parameters that could allow you to have enough moderate success to continue to develop. Also, there's a certain pointlessness to it all because let's face it, unlike Franz Barden imagined from when he scried into the future and probably saw a Marvel movie, we're not going to be throwing fireballs around like Son Goku. You know, that's just not in the cards. Um, I don't know why anyone thinks it is. I think, I think our, like Steiner said, our super, our senses have super sensory elements, which is to say they can, they, it all extends everything, every sense we have in our physical being extends a little bit beyond that. Right. Like the aura into the spiritual. And you can work with that. Everything from dowsing rods to crystal healing, to empathy, to uh, thought reading, um, it's it's all there, but it's at such a it's it's at such a minor level. While you right. may be able to move uh, uh, a magnetic dowsing rod, or while you may be able to cause a piece of paper to spin at the head of a of a needle, you're not going to lift a car, right? Or an, an X-wing, you're not well, going to lift Skywalker. Mean, this stuff. It's unfortunately, but it's, it's kind of like what people say, right? When they're getting a reading uh, often is they'll say, well, can you read my mind? And I always struggle to answer that question. I was on a podcast um, a little while ago, a couple of months ago, like a, a, I've, I've been straying, sidestepping into the world of paranormal investigation, which is a whole different, yeah. <laughs> a, whole, a whole different set of people. Um, many of them quite charming, but um, I, I've been, um, they interviewed me on this like paranormal Louisiana podcast. And one of the questions they asked me was like, can you read minds? And it's such a difficult question to answer because like, yes and no, like that's not, you. like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you mean, do you mean, can I sit in front of you and like tell you down to the absolute like last detail, the intricacies of everything that you're thinking? You can't probably tell me everything you're fucking thinking right now. Like, your brain is big and there's a lot going on in there. Now, if you focus your energy on something specific, like a, like a, like a color or a shape or a number between one and 10, can I potentially pull that out? Yes. Like I've done that before. It's possible. Can I do a reading for you that uses a tool and, and certain other senses as intermediaries to access, you know, perhaps deeper thoughts that you're not aware of having, which I would argue is a lot of what tarot reading is. I mean, I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily reading the future. I think a lot of it is like picking up on somebody's, uh, you know, subterranean, repressed, unacknowledged emotions and thoughts um, and helping them clarify those things. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of mind reading in a way, yeah. kind of, but it's just not this big explosive, um, you know, comic book style mind reading that people expect i like to think of it as you're not reading like reading someone's mind isn't reading their mind you're reading their mental aura you're reading totally. the mental sphere yeah. and the thoughts they think they're thinking may not be the thoughts that you pick up on yeah, and there was a sure. very specific time in the grade structure of the golden dawn so in the golden dawn traditionally they would not initiate uh natural psychics if they they would try and find really? Yeah, and they intentionally didn't because they found they were too hard to train. They were too <laughs> sensitive and they didn't really respond well to the training or they didn't have the tools and the time to, to deal with those people. 
they would rather have someone who had no sensitivity to these things and open them up naturally through the initiations, meditations, and, and rituals. And one thing, and I can say with a lot of empirical experience under my belt with new students in that system, that the ones who did the best were the ones without any prior occult experience. Uh, they just, they did the best. They, they developed most quickly. They, de they were the least um, uh, plagued by sort of neuroses or, mm. or issues. Uh, they would just take things as they came in the system, learn them quite well, develop them and move on. They take things at face value because that's all they had. They yeah. weren't reading Golden Dawn books or anything. They were just taking what they were learning and it worked. A lot of those people did the best and have stayed the course the longest. And that's a real testament to that school of magic. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense in a way, though, too, because when you think about like the things that you're going to bring in to a learning experience, if you feel like you've if you feel like you're naturally already gifted. And I think this is true on, on any kind of any kind of learning environment. Like if you think that you're a, a naturally uh, extremely talented watercolor painter to harken back to an earlier discussion, uh, you're not going to take watercolor lessons and feel like you're going through the system you know, uh, I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm kind of talking I over do. myself. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you're, you're there, perhaps there's a level of arrogance that gets in the way. Perhaps there's um, a sense of like, well, I do this my way and my way works for me. So why would I, why would I use your system? Why would I do these particular things? We encountered that all the time because of course in modern GD orders, they do usually allow in people with natural psychism. And I think that's a good thing. Like, so when I was initiated and joined through Nineveh Shadrach, um, I was, you know, talked about the psychism thing with him and he was like, so are you very sensitive? And I was like, yeah, like hypersensitive. And he's like, don't worry, uh, we're gonna shut you down. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? He's like, yeah, the earth grade really does seem to shut people down. We're not sure if the original order noticed this, but some of the adepts in our order had noticed it and were like, yeah, we're not concerned. And sure enough, when I got initiated into the second grade into Zelator and started doing all this earth work, oh my God, did I have never felt so in my body in my life. It was like my wow. aura had been sucked into my skin and I was locked in it and everything was physical. Everything was dense. Everything wow. was mass and matter. And I was, I fucking hated it. Yeah, that I, sounds awful. So <laughs> I know, especially yeah. given, I only have, I only have one earth placement in my chart and it's a, thank God it's a Venus in, 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 uh, in Capricorn. So that's loving through building and that's uh, artistry and creativity. Um, oh, there you go. That's nice. And so that that's was good. good. That was good. Yeah. I still struggled to finish my earth tool in time to, to test through the grade, but I did it. And, um, and what, what my only guiding light or my only hope was that they said, once I went into the air grade of Theoricus two equals nine, they said, don't worry, it'll come back, but in a more controlled way and much like stronger. That. And it didn't. Oh, no. not at all. Not at all. It, I, yeah. You, there's, I'm sure there's entries in my diary that I'll be sharing through as I go through them that are like, WTF like what the no, that shit. they stole my power they they ruined my life fuck this shit oh blah 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 and I went through that all throughout the orchestra as I was developing my my mental aura in that grade and the element of air and the, there's a lot of heavy theory in that grade you have to learn astrology basically right. in three months it's like hey welcome oh, to the here's all of astrology boom here's all of the geometry boom here memorize all the geom geomancy 
sim symbols and their meanings. Boom, do all of that within like 90 days if you want to test out as quickly yeah. as possible, along with all this ritual work and all these classes, like all this stuff. It's, you know, you're doing hundreds of hours of work a month to, if you want to get through the grade within a three month period, which a lot it's of wild. us, a lot of us strivers tended to want to do. Then, then you had the phenomenon of the eternal Theoricus and people who would just fuck off basically for a year and a half. You'd hardly see them at all. And they'd just be lost in this hyper intellectual realm of and getting lost in their life. And that was fine too. That's the thing. It's all fine. So you take, you, everyone gets to a grade where they have to spend a long time generally and for me it was portal the spirit grade and i think that has to do with some past life memories that i have i won't say past lives because i don't believe in that shit obviously duh but like past like <laughs> memories of some sort of experience or maybe those is just a way of interpreting stuff let me let me let me clarify for the listeners the jury's out in my opinion and i think science yeah, yeah. catch up to magic you know still a lot of ways but um so we all have these grades where we have to take a long time but Theoricus, I got through it fine. I was busting ass, of course, as 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 any good sixteen-year-old uh, would. Or and uh, and when here's the real kicker. This is the kicker. When I got into practicus in the water grade, it yeah. was a fucking deluge or waterfall coming down my spine from above, oh, I it. and my sphere just like it was like blast off. And I noticed it walking home from school one day. I looked across the street and all of these thoughts started racing through my mind that I could feel weren't mine. Huh. And so wow, I started testing it and it was just like, it was hard to not know what other people seem to be thinking. Now, yeah. again, is this your microcosmic reflection in there? Is this your, is this something reflected in their microcosm? Who cares what it is? The real, the real thing that I took from it was the awareness that we aren't just the thoughts we're thinking. So when you're mm -hmm. accessing those subtle bodies of, 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 of golden thought, you are accessing stuff that people might not know. And that's where I think your experiences as a psychic come to real value in, in maybe sensing out, or maybe we can dialogically between us right now, sort of mm. sense out what it's like on an experiential level to try and pinpoint and hone in on what you're actually sensing how do you mm. how do you do that do you use any visualization techniques do you use any symbols i use a golden dawn technique that basically is the tarot contemplation ritual again one of the most underestimated mm -hmm. practices of, of basically muscle of muscle building that you can have and it should never be discarded along with tatwas that helps you hone your focus so that you can see the thing or hear the mm -hmm. thing that is relevant and that's what something you can test you can ask someone and here's a big thing that for the listeners who have stuck with me all these many <laughs> months and hours and hours of uh craziness here's so the thing hours. right you can ask someone <laughs> to visualize as strong and the better they're good at, at, at visualizing controlling their thoughts the better so this is an easier exercise to do with someone with some magical training or some imagine someone with with a strong will and imagination it's easier mm -hmm if they can really clearly visualize a number and a color and you can project that white doorway onto their head vis-a-vis -vis the tarot contemplation exercise. And if you then see what that, those things is they're imagining, like have them write it down first, if you want, the danger is there. You might actually pick up what they wrote down and know right away because yeah. that happens too. Right. And you can do those exercises and get good at it. And I have seen adepti who have demonstrated it with hundred percent perfection. Hmm. 
I've seen it. I've seen it. I didn't believe I would ever see it. I think it's uh, something that probably should never be talked about publicly. So thank God this is not a public podcast. <laughs> and uh, but you know, that stuff is there. And you if you want to get really good at it, you can but I would say as a disclaimer, remember, Dion fortunes warning that the pillars of force and form the two side pillars of the tree of life are also the pillars of powers. Mm -hmm. And the middle pillar, which is the tree, real tree of life, is a pillar of consciousness. And as soon as you start seeking after the powers, the, the white or black pillars, the, the force and form, you cease raising your consciousness. So if you go after powers, you're not elevating your consciousness, which means yeah. you might get lost in those powers and that pursuit and slide back down and, and have to work your way back up in consciousness. And you can see that with all the neuroses or psychoses that develop in people who go chasing power or powers. Whereas if you do what Dion Fortune recommends, which is just pursue that middle pillar of consciousness, like every adept will fucking tell you is the way to go. And this is the initiatory mystery at work in magic, if you just pursue that consciousness elevation, powers will come and go and you're not attached to them. If you have a non-attachment to them, and David Heim Smith even touched on this with me because this is, this, is, this is the beauty of bathing in that divine light. You're not attached to the effects you can create in this world. And if you don't get attached to the effects you can create in this world, then you continue to elevate and rise on that pillar of consciousness better and better and do more and more effects in this world, right? Yeah, so absolutely. by not pursuing the thing that so most people would say is the purpose and the goal of becoming powerful or more than human, by avoiding the thing that you want, you actually get more of that thing. And that's almost like Nash's mathematical theorem, right? Where, whereby if everyone involved in, a, in any game system or any desire system, if everyone avoids the, the pretty girl, then everyone wins, <laughs> right? That's the beautiful mind math theory that changed uh, global economics and uh, everything because we realized if we none of us pursue the thing that everyone wants, everyone gets something that is perfectly enough for themselves. Yeah, totally. Actually, I had the, a very similar conversation uh, to this a few nights ago, uh, just privately with some friends. We're talking about much the same thing, like the, the issue in the occult world often uh, and, you know, obviously I'm speaking in generalities, so, I mean, no one come for me. I'm not pointing any fingers, but um, people do go after that power, you know, and, and I think this this friend that I was talking to, um, Saturn Vox on Instagram, everybody go follow Michaela. She's great, but um, they're great, I should say. But uh, they were saying it's this issue of, like, what's your purpose? Like, are you trying to acquire or manipulate things materially and if you are that's fine like that's totally fine it's fine to want to have psychic powers they're cool why not but um but if you if you shift your focus and instead the purpose is to to grow to ascend like whatever you know terminology you want to use for that attain some form of enlightenment um you know contact your your hga or whatever, however you want to term that. Well, you got to remember think... in Western, in Hermeticism, <laughs> enlightenment is not the goal. It's the starting point. Mm, Never forget the wise words of, uh, it was on Midnight Gospel, either Jason Louv or Damien. Oh, Eckert yeah. Said it. One of those two homeboys said it. And they're both, they're both wonderful people. I'm very grateful to be alive at the same time as them. Truly, yeah. Uh, actually, Damien's speaking at, at the, the conference that I'm hopefully going to go to in uh, in in july well if, you know if covid, COVID can't doesn't transmit. shut it all down <laughs> covid can't transmit yeah. at magical when the events. intention is good it's yes. true um yes if you do an lbrp many... lbrp blocks covid 
Yeah. And Star Ruby actually heals COVID from a person. Oh, entirely. fuck. Yeah. That's amazing. If you don't yeah. believe, just well, ask Crowley. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was referencing earlier, I can't remember if we were on the air or off the air for this, but uh, but the, the podcast that I was on. People don't realize, actually, ago. I think how much you and I talk. So there's a, there's yeah, always that. There's it's always fun. Your, your people are all like, make sure you have Celeste on the podcast. I'm like, bitch, she's <laughs> been on like she was on for two hours that turned into four. She's been yeah, on. Yeah, truly. Plus I've been you on. and I, you and chat. I we chat. Almost, we talked late at night. That's true. Uh, <laughs> late at night, he says. Well, well it's late every, for one of us. When everyone else is sleeping. Yeah. Um, we yeah. whisper <laughs> the, nuts, the dark nothings of the true infernal mysteries. Yeah, all of that. All that goth shit. Uh, <laughs> What it's true. One say? night we I'm stayed sorry. up late just sending each other pictures of us when we were like young. Well, we did do that. We, that, that was, was great. Funny. I was like sitting in the bathtub and, you know, it was a good time. That was a good time. My brain. That was fun. Yeah. It's embarrassing it's, goth pictures. You, you connect with people how you have to in COVID, right? You know, <laughs> truly. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. This, this fucking podcast that I was on. Um, uh, one of the sure questions. The fucking podcast, but. Well, I mean. Know. It, it, it could have gone that way, but it didn't. <laughs> Some like, but, um, like hentai tentacle sex themed podcast? No. If anyone runs one of those, don't ask me to be on it. Um, I'll be on but, it. Yeah, there you go. RC will be on it. But this, this person in, um, in the chat, I guess, had asked, like, is the coronavirus black magic? And I was like, oh, I guess I have to answer this question now. And you know, I try so hard when I'm uh, a guest on somebody's show well, to I, be to be open and to be kind of like to to consider and not to kind of go into into a mocking defensive place like I really try and like intellectually consider what's being said um rather than being like that's a stupid that's you're stupid that's a stupid question um I mean I think it's you know I don't think it's a stupid question I think it's an interesting question and whenever people ask questions like that I'm like what's going on for you uh, in your in your life and in your world you know <laughs> where is where is this coming from but um yeah I mean clearly it is black magic and if you do the LBRP uh it will go away so it's fine at least in your microcosm yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean yeah let us not forget the once one very uh, there is the theory that the LBRP banishes things within the banishes microcosmic things within your microcosm the brh banishes macrocosmic things within mm. your microcosm the supreme banishing ritual pentagram the sbrp banishes macrocosmic things within your macrocosm and the sbrh banishes macrocosm blah blah, blah. you get it you get that you okay get that. yeah it's an obvious they're... structure it's an obvious structure and and again when you when you get into those sort of theories it's very pedantic and not necessarily true but it can sometimes help you to wrap your head around these complex rituals that mm -hmm. that are worth doing. That at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that they're worth doing. <laughs> you know, they do truly do work. And and you know, even even uh, even uh, people like Eccles and Jason Liu, who no one's obviously ever heard of, uh, agree. What do you know? No one ever. Those unfamous um, people. Um, yeah, the yeah, the yeah. unfamous people. I just um, love that. I just love that we have so many serious practitioners. It's awesome out there. We're very spoiled these days. It is, it is so lucky to be alive right now and and in the mysteries. Yeah, and you know what? I forget that often, and I, I get into these kind of like grumpy, grumpy moods. I get into the grumpy moods. Fights. Oh you're my like gosh! Fucking, you're like you're like you're like Brad Pitt and Snatch just 
fucking up motherfuckers in the gym. Yeah, that's me. Punching that's them like me. a true gypsy. Do not. Do not. We can't do that. For we the record. Gypsy? For the record, I am vehemently disagreeing with what you're saying yes, right now. Yes. Well, you know, I was talking to uh, one of my 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 buddies uh and she's uh let me for for those who would take issue with this let me preface it by saying she's a a black mixed race bisexual person so okay. uh, she she's got some as joe rogan would say some some coins to she gets some coins to work with that the rest of us don't have as soon as she oh my goodness. herself right yeah it's like saying it's like that's what he said he was like if you say this at the beginning of your dialogue it's like saying hey i have these chips these chits that i get to play that you don't have right i get these these coins it's like mm, oh right you're going a, down a road unhealthy dog yeah well you're when i told her i told her about the debate with the uh, romani and, and gypsy people and you know what she said she said i didn't realize that that gypsy was uh, a pejorative term uh oh a lot of people don't know that's you that's didn't realize true. that and that that's where the phrase to gyp someone comes and like this is yeah. we're, we're talking about this for posterity there's there's no words i won't i won't say i just won't necessarily use them right there's a difference sure. between saying a word and using a word. I mean, you can still read Huckleberry Finn. Just don't fucking use those words because then you're a mm -hmm. fucking asshole. Then you mm -hmm. are a piece of shit if you actually use them. But, <laughs> when, uh, uh, you know, so when it comes, but well, here, here it is something bad. She was like, as a, as a bisexual uh, black mixed race person, uh, she was like, really? Well, I always said, I always thought that, that, that Gypsy was, was uh, a word that you would use because th those people, because the, that, the, you know, culturally they tend to Jew people down. Oh my gosh, <laughs> she, she did not say she that, that's that. terrible. I, I burst out laughing, I'm like, you can't fucking say that. Like, she's like, Jew down? I'm like, no, you can't say that. Oh my that's, God. That's horrible. She's like, why? Oh, like, that's terrible. And she's like, oh, I never thought about that. But you see a lot of people, they don't actually know that. So you gotta you gotta tell them and be like increase sensitivity. Right. But like I mean, look, yeah, be, you can't be one of these people who's who's canceling and burning everyone at the stake because if you were, Pete will come for you eventually. And I've right, said it that's before. True. Here, let me counterbalance the crazy shit I just said oh by God. saying by saying, yeah, I know, I know, I just like totally made a few people laugh and a few people cringe and cancel me in horror. But like, but like, let me let me flip the script on those people who are outraged right now, okay? I bet you, I bet those people use the phrase Old fucking Testament, not fucking, but they say Old Testament, Old Testament. That's fucking just as fucked up to call one whole group of people's religious scripture, the old book and right. imply that the new book is good. A lot of these same people use the phrase the dark ages. That's right. just as pejorative against what was actually a golden age. The middle ages was a golden age. Totally. Dark ages was a term come up with by the reformers to slander a whole period of, of people who were doing amazing things in art and, and language and scholarship and to slag them as being unenlightened prior to Martin Luther and Calvin. So you right. want to, let's take it even further. What about all those people out there wearing rosaries who aren't ordained Catholics? Like I have a rosary right? in my you, hand right you, now that I'm fiddling that, with. If you put that around uh, your neck, you're flipping the bird to the entire tradition that came up with it and, oh yeah. and, and spitting in the face of every ordained person who, yeah. who has attained the level of charism to, to don it as a right. priest. So well, you, know, like, you, you, me... can't, you can't cherry pick 
outrage. Let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to get my words in now because I feel like I, I must. Um, you yeah. know, my take on, my take on this is there is just generally a lot of ignorance. And I think like the, the, the slur used for Romani people is a really good example. A lot of people just don't know that that is considered a slur. It's people are, have a lot of ignorance around that. And there's all sorts of reasons that one might be ignorant about, about anything, right? Like I'm ignorant about shitloads of things. We've covered this already in this podcast episode. I, uh, I am putting my hand up and saying, I am very ignorant a lot of the time about many things. But um, I, I encounter this with, with clients I work with and with you know, people in my, in my wider spiritual circle because I talk to people from all sorts of different backgrounds and all sorts of different generations. And you know, I have friends and clients who are in their 60s and 70s. And those people are not necessarily on the pulse of what the, the newest uh, trendy. Slur, slur or, um, or thing is. And I'm not, I'm not at all saying that um the the slur for Rami people is new i'm you know that's this is we're going off in another direction but there are things that are now considered to be slurs by like the younger generation that weren't even when i was a teenager like i were on a live stream the other night i used the example of um you know within the lgbt community uh when i was young i do i have to say that now when i was young i feel like i'm still young but um I think that's a you know <laughs> but I, you know, queer was the word that people used to be super inclusive. Like queer was the it's inclusive still that, term. Because, that's still the word in Vancouver. Like a lot of my right. gay friends call me queer, but not gay. Right. And you know, like that's. Should I, think I get outraged I, I, at, at my well, gay friends? Should I, should I, I uh, like, <laughs> should I beat them or throw a Molotov at them because they've called me queer, but not gay, whatever that means. I don't even know. Right. Probably well, I mean, and this I've is done acting. And as a result, I've kissed a few guys. <laughs> therefore queer um therefore, but this is the thing this is the like, thing you like have a problem with the, the kissing of the guys in those plays or whatever i'm like no it's it's not really and they're like and i'm like you're i'm like that's cool i don't give a shit what sure okay that, the label's fine like, yeah, whatever. but like whatever. i guess my, my point is like you know i i still think of that as as the inclusive term like most most people that i hang out with people in my community who are around my same age like people i would say from like 20 to 40 or 50, consider that to be a fine word. But I have friends who have children who are in their like, you know, preteens or early teens. And they're all on, you know, they're all on the internet talking to each other and, and forming these little sort of, uh, you know, figuring out who they are and figuring out their identities. And a lot of these younger people are saying, you know what, we don't like queer. It's not a word we want to use anymore. Um, it's offensive. It's a slur. And then you, you know, you find these younger people talking to people who have been in the LGBT community for decades <laughs> who are like, what? Like yeah. you're telling me it's a you, slur now, but, but it's we've not, been it's doing not. this for a fucking minute. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. And so I guess what I'm saying is, you know, people do have, um, there's two issues at play. And one is that words and terms change meaning. And I think that we can just agree. I think we can agree with that from a linguistic standpoint, I would hope, Fact. but, but also that, um, you know, people sometimes just don't know. And, you know, harm is not necessarily intended. It's just that if you don't know something, you may put your foot in your mouth occasionally. And, and the way to come at someone if they have said or done something offensive, in my opinion, is to always assume, I mean, I try to always, always give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Like I don't assume as much as possible that someone is intentionally trying to be a dick just because 
my life is nicer when I don't assume that everyone's trying to be a dick. My life is smoother for me yeah. and no for kidding, everyone right? around me. <laughs> you know, if I'm just like, maybe this person actually yeah. is trying to be genuine and like a it good person. It hurt to give someone the benefit of the doubt here and there. No. And, you know, then you can have a conversation. And like, I have had conversations with, with friends of mine, you know, friends from, from older generations where I've said, you know, like, oh, you, you know, you're saying this or you're doing this. And like, my understanding from my perspective is that that's like not a super cool thing to say. And some people are upset by that for these reasons. And, and then we can have a conversation about it. And, you know, the person I'm talking to might still be like, well, that's stupid. And I don't agree with you. And that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, obviously there's always exceptions to this argument. Like we, we probably should not dive down this particular rhetorical rabbit hole, but um, you know, to what, me, the exceptions. Me? Yeah. I mean, we could, you, you and I can, maybe not on air. I don't it's, know. It's, but, um, mag it's magic without fears, not magic without tears. There, it's magic with tears. This is magic with tears, with tears but no fears. With no fears. <laughs> so we're going to make you cry, some of you bitches. But oh that's God. what being fearless is. But don't be afraid of it, about. though. Oh, my For God. For he or she who trembles at the flames and the floods and the shadows of the night has no part of divine light. Good Lord. That is, um, that is from the Neophyte Initiation in the Golden Dawn. It's one that's of the very best, beautiful. It's one of the I best. Oh, dude, the initiations are fucking sick. Like, if you ever have a spare five, six, seven years free, go through Oh, that. sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But there's yeah, lots I've of just, time. There's lots yeah. of time. Yeah. You know, what time isn't real? It's fine. Um, right. Do them astrally, and then there's no time involved. <laughs> right. There you go. Um, but yeah, I guess, like, my, my bottom line on all of that is, like, I, I try my best wherever possible to live a life that causes as, as little pain to other humans as, as, is, as is humanly possible for me. Well, that's um, the great I, work, right, in a way. I right. Mean. And I will fuck up probably a lot because that is also just the nature of the beast, right? You're going to fuck up. Um, and sometimes, as you and I were saying off air, uh, harm is caused and there isn't a whole lot you can do about it because it's just a, a mismatch in people's, uh, you know, perception vs intention and you can't control that always. But um, for the most part, I, I try and live my life causing as little harm as I can to anyone. So anytime that I say something that is out of line, people are absolutely welcome to tell me that it was out of line, but I will also- Really, you invite, you invite that? I don't invite that. If you think I've said something out of line, go fuck yourself, I don't care. No, I, I do invite it because I, I'm, but only, you know, with the caveat that like, only if we can actually have a conversation about it. Like if you're gonna come at me and just be like, you said this fucked up thing and fuck you and you're a terrible person, I mean, okay, if it makes you feel better to do that, I guess you can, but um, we're not gonna get anywhere much if that's how it's gonna go. Um, but if you We've wanna come at me and say, We've had different life experiences, I guess. Like you've never been, you, you, um, have, you haven't been through like half a dozen circle boot stompings with people calling you a faggot and plastic patty motherfucker, which I've been through so many times. Groups true. of people just beating me nearly to death while calling me these horrible things, especially. Ugh plastic patty like i've been i i was i had i don't even know what that means what does that mean plastic patty means fake irish person yeah. and they, they, oh. they there's this movement within irish people it's a very small but insidious movement to prevent any non-irish born ireland born people from playing irish music and they usually only whip those cards out when you're you're succeeding at gigs that mm, they aren't succeeding at of course because they don't actually sing in in Asquelga in irish where they don't right. play all these um, rare instruments and they're just, they're not as good as you. So they don't get the gigs, 
but they wait for you afterwards to, uh, you know, bootstomp you into the hospital. Yeah. And that's that's been happening to me nonstop for 15 years. And I'm sure it will, like the last few uh, couple of years I did of gigs, I had to have, uh, I had to spend all the entire fees that I would get paid on security just to do the gigs. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have not had that experience. I did. uh, I mean, I have. That's my lived experience. My lived experience. And (laughs) And I can't speak to it. Right. And, and, you (laughs) know, it, it, it does, it does necessitate me being a little vocal about, certain things because i've sure for sure stuff that is uh that i'm not going to i'm not going to brush it under the table so i have to create years of future therapy for myself i'm not i'm gonna fucking name it and move on oh for sure and my life and if you don't like it too fucking bad if you don't like it too bad it's like we got you know, these, I think we have the, these Uyghur protests in Vancouver right now and the majority oh god of you can't say that word either i feel like i feel like Uyghurs? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you can. We're not that. talking about white rappers. They call they, it's on their banners. They're like save, oh. save our what? people. They're, what they're does pro- that mean? Uyghurs what are they talking are, are about? The Muslim Chinese who are in concentration oh. camps in China and being oh sterilized and having their organs sold and they're being it's it's oh, the Nazi Germany these concentration camps and no one's doing anything about it. They actually used part of these concentration camps to film Mulan and when people found out they of course oh boycotted the movie, which is why it's it crashed and and went bankrupt on that one but like so these the uyghurs these chinese muslims are protesting in vancouver and i was watching asian people in vancouver spit at them as they walk by and saying they're racist and stuff but so it's like there's that's a weird tension to see going on in vancouver because all us folks we don't really know what to do like we're owned flat out by china um and yet there's these pop this portion of the population is like yo we are sitting by tacitly and accepting these concentration camps there why aren't their boots on the ground why aren't they're fucking why aren't the politicians vocally speaking out about it and like censoring it instead of selling our country wholesale to this to this place that really wishes us no no good things at all and is killing these people en masse concentration camp style and oh, it's, a, it's a big problem, but no, no one really knows how to handle these protests in town because they are allowed mm. to do them. It's just a very small minority of the population and flies in the face of the Chinese elite who run the place. So, wow. but, but we gotta, we gotta, oh my God, we gotta stand up for that shit. Like, cause if, if we, if we, if we really are going to allow concentration camps like that to exist again, then it's game over. It's fucking game over. Truly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we talk sure. more about the aura <laughs> <laughs> back to the aura oh my god uh i feel like you i feel like you do this when we podcast i feel like it happened the first time we podcast is is is, is you'll you'll go down a road um which is fine i mean it's your podcast do what do do what that will <laughs> it's not oh yeah yeah because i'm such a thelemite <laughs> uh but um but I don't you know you'll do... i just have a i just no, have a conversation fine. I know. I just feel like sometimes I get into the space where I'm like, oh my gosh, let me, let me, let me reel this back in for a second and just like be clear about where I stand on all this. Um, and it, it, with regards to everything that you just said, uh, I don't know enough about it to have a viewpoint on that because I am not well-versed in Canada's uh, political situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like to learn about it. I did run it by a bunch of Canadians and I talked to uh, professors at universities. I'm friends. Well, I have a long history here. So I know a lot of people in, Mm -hmm. high positions of both the law government and the universities and we talk about these things and it's a real problem like it it is a real real problem i mean we just saw uh, quebec locked down with martial law i believe Mm -hmm. ontario has a stay-at-home order um and we are not a country that has free speech if i if you misgender someone here you can go to jail or you get locked up and fined i mean we don't have that 
at the same time we're Canadians so like you don't see any like any brouhaha on the street right everyone's like you know whatever whatever each other's doing you might look at them and glare at them um like you know the people who are wearing masks in their cars alone glare at me on the street when I walk down the street alone nowhere near anyone without a mask they glare at me right but I glare at them back I'm just like okay I think you're stupid they think I'm I'm dangerous but we don't say anything because we're Canadian (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would be it's like sort of the because we don't have that sort of uh right to free speech we have a charter of rights and freedoms that i was talking about with this, a buddy and a student last night but but because we don't have that same sense of entitlement to our rights which mm-hmm. we really don't mm-hmm. um as a result we tend to treat each other a bit better that's one of the reasons we don't have right. the same level of violence or gun deaths because it's like okay look if we don't just sort of give each other passes and agree to disagree, then our quality of life's not going to be very good. Let's face right. it. Right. So we have to just kind of like find a middle ground here like, somehow. Or just or just ignore ignore them. Like if you, if you don't like <laughs> ignore each someone, other. You don't like what someone says, fucking ignore them. Like just, that's very British to well, just to well, be like, we'll just let's yeah, just not we'll I, just won't. Um, <laughs> what you're saying is wrong, sir, but I'm late for tea, so Ta-da, Goodbye. Ta-da, ta-da. Yeah, ta-da. Ta-da. as uh, yeah, pretty much, right? Um, I, I have I to go to home you? and eat spotted dick with my wife. I mean, look, it's very tasty. To be fair, is it? Not I've never spotted dick. I've never, I've never put any spotted dick in my mouth. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> how how queer are you really? Is the question. Um, <laughs> That's the question. Uh, but no, what was I going to say? You different friends would give something. you different answers. Truly, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Depend on whether on... or not they've acted with me, I guess. Oh my God. You <laughs> hit on something interesting there for a second, but you also, as you always do, you you wiggled around a little bit uh, on, on the rhetorical scale. So I'm trying to remember where we were at. I like um... to think of myself <laughs> as hermetically extraterritorial and, and, there and you go. transgressively liminal. There, well, very nice. Love it. Um, oh my God. No, I can't, I can't remember what we were saying. I think I was just going to say, uh, oh, no, I was going to, I was going to uh, relate a anecdote, uh, which is that I, I am, you know, I, I wear a mask pretty much everywhere I go because I, for a start, am immune compromised, uh, as, as you are, I believe. Um, yeah. And we and still so, wear you know, them in stores, everywhere we right. go, in public areas of the building. Um, it's just like, but when you sit down at a table with six other people at the well, bar, yeah, then, you're then to you take, them take off, it off, right? Is, because you're eating a crazy drink, part about it, which is bananas. Because yeah, that's um, where it's going to get transmitted is when you're eating and drinking, really. and laughing with six people who you're not yep. allowed to talk to ten feet apart on the street, but you are allowed to get drunk with them in a bar. And that's where that's where this doesn't make sense. Intersects, yeah. but um, that's, that's where we can't really say much more because the jury's out. But but this was this was going to be my funny anecdote. So I'm really good, honestly. I'm I'm really really good about always having a mask on me. Um, you know, obviously I don't really leave my house at all. Uh, all of those things. But the other day I had to go to um, to Barnes and Noble to buy a Ouija board. Actually, let's take this right back to psychism. Beautiful, um, <laughs> well done, lady. Nice nicely looped, don't you think? But yes. I had to go buy this Ouija board uh, to make yeah. a TikTok. Actually, so that's you know embarrassing but um <laughs> i i totally forgot my mask i was just like i've it's been such a weird beginning of the year for me and my brain is just not functioning at full capacity so i forgot my mask but it was a really cold day so i had my big like winter like puffy layered coat which has a zip up thing that goes like you can zip it up over your nose 
so sitting at Barnes outside Barnes and Noble, it is a long drive to get there from where I live. So I was like, fuck, man, I don't want to like go home and get my mask and come back. Like this is taking me forever. So I decided that I was just going to go for it. I knew what I was going in there for. It's not like I was going to go browse in the store. I was like, I'm just going to like zip my coat up like over my face, like a weirdo. Um, and then it's, it's almost like, I mean, it's probably better than I'm, than if I were wearing a mask, honestly, cause it's like fucking five layers of puffy winter coat via so tiny bit of fabric. So I go into the store, like with this coat zipped up over my nose and mouth, trying my best to be like a good person. And I have to, I couldn't find the fuck goddamn Ouija board. So I'm like walking around like a idiot in like the board game section being like, where is it? And finally a Barnes and Noble employee came up to me and was just like, you know, can I help you? And then they kind of looked, they looked at me up and down and they just gave me this extremely disdainful look. And they were like, do you need a mask? <laughs> I was like, yes, sorry. And they're like, yeah. okay, we have them at the front desk. And they gave me the mask and you know, we're walking up to the to the place to get the mask from. And I, I was like profusely apologizing. I was like, I never forget. I just happened to forget today. That's why I've got you know, my coat zipped up. I mean, all this time I'm talking through the coat. Like I, at no point were my nose and mouth uncovered. But this person had just clearly had it. Like, who knows what kind of day they had and what kind of nonsense they had had to put up with in the general public. I'm sure it is not fun working in retail or customer service in any capacity right now. But they just, like, clearly thought that I was an asshole who, like, didn't believe in wearing masks and was trying to, like, pull a fast one. And it was just such an odd experience because I was like, no, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not a bad guy. You know, it's this, it's this real... Um, fear bad and paranoia guy. about not bad being the bad not being the bad guy isn't, isn't that yeah. is that one of billy eilish's songs bad oh yeah guy. i think so it so is. we're in a culture that that edifies the bad guy in a strange uh psychosonic way you know like True. you know we 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 we, ed- we hold up the ideal of the good guy but actually everyone wants the bad guy that's still going on it's well that is funny. true i mean you know look look at my experience as a well, I was going to say heterosexual woman. I'm not that heterosexual, but you know, someone who who dates no, men. you're not. Yeah. But anyway, so so one of the interesting things to bring <laughs> back this to into the aura. The aura. Yeah. No. So uh, like, <laughs> I think what what matters is like the, the idea that 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 um, like fear of these words, fear of words, that's mm. going to impact your aura. Oh, interesting. Using these words, especially when you're just saying them because you're not a a pussy and you're you're just a human who's communicating effectively and clearly that's not going to impact your aura right when Mm. when when uh when when people say like you know when when my (laughs) or when you know when you it's just it just doesn't it just doesn't it's not embedding in your sphere of sensation this negative thing because you're not actually using the hateful word you're not infusing yourself with hate it's not coming from a place of hate and to so are you but, basically but to you're... edit but to not say those things because you're so hyper afraid that you'll be misunderstood or misrepresented or missing that will that will infect your aura and your sphere of sensation uh-huh. that will create toxicity in your sphere that fear that terror of being right of being good of being a, of, of appearing mm. if you want you, you want you want to tell me that some some old fucker who doesn't know that the world has moved on and we don't say such and such a word anymore doesn't know they're not pro- if they're saying it with the same bigotry that then, then the bigotry is going to be embedded in their sphere but if they mm. don't know that and they're just it's just the word they use 
um, then then it's not going to be embedded in their sphere. But if you're if you're terrified 24 seven of saying the wrong word, and if you're terrified of how people perceive you, and so you regulate your behavior to meet their needs, that is the definition of people pleasing. And I tell you that will that will destroy every shred of divine light in you so quickly. It will make mm. your head spin. Next thing you know, you're you're locked in cycles of codependence and people pleasing, and then you're the one wearing a mask. Then you're the one without any congruency or integrity to your actual soul because you're not expressing your soul anymore. You're expressing what you think people want to see, and that is the greatest heresy I think we could commit against our higher and divine genius. You know, but you know what's interesting though. I I agree with you, um, and it, I mean I don't know. This is bringing up some conversations that I had recently with with people. Um, but it's difficult, I think, when you are sensitive to not fall into that trap of people pleasing. Initially, you know, for obviously sure. you you can work through it over time. Um, and for some of us, depending on our backgrounds and what we went through in our childhoods, that can be uh, you know. I mean, I will always I I will hand up like being honest about myself here, I will always be unlearning those lessons um, and doing that work because it doesn't come naturally to me to be, you know, super assertive. And, um, and it's harder for me, I think, to get in touch with what I truly think and what I truly believe. Like I, I tend to be very open, receptive, diplomatic, which I think are great qualities, but they're also qualities that can kind of steer you down that path of um, indecision and codependency. And those kinds of things. But um, when you are open and you're sensitive and you um, are kind of tuned in to other people's energies, thoughts, feelings, emotions, whatever you want to call them, um, I think it can make it a very difficult hurdle to cross to get to a point where you're like able to put a boundary up and say, well, okay, that's yours. You know, I mean, it's like, an, it's an energetic boundary when you can say like, that's your stuff. That's what you have going on. But my reality my perception, my experience of life is different. And I have to honor that experience rather than honoring what you're feeling or what you're thinking. Um, and I think that as we develop our, our psychic abilities, if, if that's what we want to call them, that is something that we have to grapple with. I don't know if you've had that experience, but absolutely i mean that is really the strength of the of the golden dawn rituals um and the establishing of what we call our circle because you see in these diagrams that they're drawn as circles on the ground but those are as there's those are symbolic physical representations of what you actually are creating in your sphere in the yeah. astral circle around you every time you do the uh, pentagram and hexagram rituals and infuse yeah. it with energy through the middle pillar ritual like that's what you're creating is a solid barrier and boundary and sphere around yourself to have that sense of boundary and doing the rituals creates it it creates mm -hmm. it automatically and that's the strength of the system that has never gone away it's not it's why people keep coming back to it i think they're like oh why am i doing these rituals well they work they work yeah for sure you know and the more you do them the happier and a healthier person you tend to become because you're filling yourself with divine light when it when that light uh, hits into those uh, diseased elements within your own sphere. Uh, there's a, a rupture or a, a little trauma 
that uh, forces you to look at those things and, and transform them alchemically and work on them, mainly by confronting them. I mean, it's, that's where Rigardi was right, that the psychological processes and the magical are very intertwined in many ways. And, and you need to name things. You need to know that demon's name, that diseases name in your own sphere. You have to acknowledge it for what it is. You can't just block it out. And the divine light that you keep bringing down through your body highlights those imperfections and highlights those things even as you may be still developing some of those flaws like the idea that we are born with these sets of flaws that we have to purify and then we're all good no we're constantly developing new ones um, mm -hmm. as we go through life and and some yeah. committing errors and of behavior and and mentality uh, or especially emotionally behaviors that we might not realize are building up centers of disease within our aura and that we can actually work on them by doing whatever our daily spiritual practice is. Yoga does it very physically, meditation mm -hmm. does it very psychically, and ritual work combines the two of them together in a Definitely. very powerful way. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's something else, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think like um, this idea that, that the goal, and I guess this takes us kind of right back to almost the beginning of, of the it conversation. Does. It bookends it nicely. It's very nice. But um, this idea that we will somehow go through a process ritually, through initiation, through psychic development, which will get us to an end point where we can say, I'm healed. Like I'm fixed. I have fixed the problem. I'm like yeah. a whole, <laughs> a whole and, um, and, you know, competent and evolved human being now. And I don't need to do the work anymore. Um, yeah, it's a trap, eh? It's bizarre. I just, in, I find in, alchemy, in alchemy, it's called the, it, sometimes it's interpreted as, there's multiple interpretations for every alchemical symbolism. So this is not universal, mm -hmm. but it's sometimes called the peacock's tail, mm. which is, it's the, the feathers of the peacock, the, the rainbow uh, 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 array of light that starts to come out of a, of a being, of an initiate one there at a certain stage. And they're really able to show the spectrum of the full rays of light that that exist within their soul however that it's called the peacock's tail because it is a false display it's mm. a false display because it doesn't actually it hasn't actually achieved the soul philosophorum the 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 solar light um and it's just showing you sort of like look what i will look what i've discovered but they haven't done the work of purification to actually right. it's it's the first demonstration of that and it and it they haven't actually begun to see it's 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 the step before you start to see what your actual issues are so when people start to display that mm -hmm. they get quite a big head that peacock's tail of light shining within them but it's a false step it's a necessary step and you need to know how to deal with the student at that alchemical stage of development so that you don't uh, spoil things for them but you need to realize that you have to guide them gently from there into what we would often call, depending on your system, the white or the red work, which is where they end, then they get brought internal and they, you, you want to channel that light in them in their initiatory journey so that, that it gets turned inward. Yeah, and that's when sure. they start to look at the real depths within themselves and tunnel down. And that's when the, the dark night of the senses really begins. Right. That's what I've written and taught a lot about um, because that's when you start to to look inward and say, oh, Jesus, I have a lot of work to do. Right. Well, you know what? There are two, like, two similar, I think, like, 
and well, two analogies I think that that track quite well with with what you just described. And one is like, as you know, I am a sober person, and I am not really a sober person by virtue of being in AA, but I have gone to AA meetings before um, and found them to be, you know, your mileage may vary. It's for it's for some people, it's not for everybody. But um, they describe the process of like getting sober. You, there's this sort of thing in AA that they call like the pink cloud. And the pink cloud is what happens when you've been like maybe a month or two months sober. And it's this beautiful little like puff of like feel good shit. Cause you've like, perhaps, you know, if you had a, a chemical dependence maybe you've kicked the chemical dependence. Um, you've, you've moved past that point of, you know really you, you've kicked, you've kicked the first stage of your addiction but being addicted to drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever is really like that's not the problem that's the symptom and the, yep. the problems are underneath and so the pink cloud feels great it's very much like the peacock tail you're like i am the <laughs> symptoms but <laughs> yeah. you don't yet know what what brought right. you to the problem you're yeah. like i'm yeah. fucking immortal i've done the thing and then you're like oh shit uh actually yeah. the symptom was just masking this like much deeper stuff that i now have to look at and the other thing that i was thinking of is um you know the uh the rhetorical or the psychological uh, idea of like Mount Stupid when you're learning things. Have you heard about that? No, but I like the sound of it. Mount Stupid, yeah. So the idea is that you like, what, while you're on the process of, of, of learning anything, and it doesn't really matter like what you're, what you're learning, is uh, that you learn a little bit, right? You get that first, like, it's kind of like, you know, the, the, the philosophy 101 class that you take and you walk out of that class and you're like, I am so wise. And you've peaked Mount Stupid, you know, you've summited like that first little flush of knowledge and you feel like you know everything. And then if you continue to learn and you continue to push yourself and you don't just sit on top of that hill feeling superior to everybody, you then, get dragged down into the into the dross again and you sort of you you experience a dip um in your awareness you realize how much you don't know and then the real work begins of like crawling up the um the the curve of maturity they call it i guess so you know you summit mount stupid then you have this sort of dark night of the soul where you realize how much you still have to learn and ideally you continue to learn, you push yourself further into that, into that experience of gaining knowledge. But a lot of people don't bother. And a lot of people are just happy to sort of sit on the top of that little mountain. Um, I think in the diagram that you can find on the internet of this, they call it the fraudster's cavern, which I oh, love, I the like fraudster's that. cavern, uh, where you can just kind of sit on that tiny bit of knowledge that you've accrued, secure in the, secure in the idea that you probably know more than some people and content to just kind of peddle yourself as an expert, even though you actually have a lot left to learn. So I think that both of those things are, are similar experiences, just in different <coughs> fields. Yeah, no, they yeah. very much are. Can we take uh, 30 seconds and then wrap up? No, yes. <laughs> All right, so we're back live. And uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been very good catching up with you and uh, getting into some of this stuff. I hope some of the psychism and development training helps a few people. I, I, I can't apologize for the fact it was, goes along with all the other crazy stuff that we talk about <laughs> on this podcast, because it's, it's always going to be a real podcast with just people talking and like, you know, I, I'm still on my journey and I go along and I, 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 I think things and say things that I later disagree with. And that's part of the journey. We need to represent the journey to the future sure. people's who uh who, uh who are to come because like 
yeah, you can't hold up the, the previous generation and think they had it figured out or had it, had it right. Like that's like really perhaps one of the greatest most disgusting sins that we could commit is, uh, is trying to brainwash those who come after us into thinking that we had it right. I mean, there's a lot of that in the ancient hero worship in the Golden Dawn world. I see people on forums talking like, if only we had an order today like they had back then. It's like, dude, that order back then sort of sucked. The ones today are right. much better. <laughs> right it's growth right it's it's growth and i think like as much as it might seem like this podcast particular podcast episode like went all over the map i think these things are related because when we talk about like psychism or psychic development like that's that, spiritual health I mean, it doesn't happen in a vacuum right like we are people we have all sorts of different facets to our lives and as we just sort of demonstrated through this idea of you know the, the peacock's tail and the pink cloud and Mount Stupid, all these things are linked, um, you know, to, to broader concepts that we should be trying to grapple with, working on, um, developing. Well, Blavatsky having... fell into that trap, right, with her divine masters and, and a lot of those people like Leadbeater and them, and he says some atrocious things in his book, but you know, he didn't realize they were atrocious when he mm. said them. He says so many like crazy racist stuff mm. in his book, talking about like the sa the noble savage tribesmen and oh, geez, where, what, yeah. what they are capable of doing psychically, but also what they will never achieve psychically oh my God. because of their, their natural tribalism and, and ignorance of the truth of blah, blah. It's like, oh, oh dude, shut the like I'll, I'll read it and comment on it because we can't turn our, our noses up at at things just because they weren't entirely correct and blah, but those people who tried to act like they were achieving enlightenment or spirituality and developing in a vacuum and that they were shut off from they, that that mentality that they were somehow um cutting them off themselves off from the time and place and developing into true spiritual light that was the very trap that led to them being scoffed at today that's yeah. why we write off blavatsky today because we discovered that she wasn't all that she said she was that she did fake few things especially the letters that would appear magically from the hole in the wall we found out they weren't written by masters they were written by her and <laughs> yeah exactly. said that later on and it's like okay so you're making up these divine masters writing letters why'd you do that like now you've discredited yourself for for all time so right. maybe you should have just been a little bit if you had said it's me upstairs writing these letters and i'm channeling spirits and passing them through yeah people would have been like all right that's like, chill like, that's what that is it's 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 congruent that's with, valid. with what's yeah. real but you try and sell it pawn it off as something that it isn't and now we just think you're full of shit so don't True. pawn shit off as stuff that it isn't like be real be a, be a real person and i i look for people's flaws first it's it's a it's a side effect of my mars conjunct uh mercury according oh to boy. my mom uh, that i always look for the problems but that's because it takes a highly active mars and mercury functioning in radical tandem to be comfortable and energized by looking at problematic critical issues and that's how i always am going to relate to the world is totally. at, I'm always going to hone in my mind, my mercury will always hone in on the most problematic thing I see and try and tear it apart and put it back together again and make sense of it. That's just how my natal chart works. Yeah, yeah. And, Which is yeah, not a bad so, thing. It's not a bad thing. It now, is now, I, now I want to like log off, log off the live and be like, what, what are my, how am I problematic? Rip, rip me apart. <laughs> Tell me all the terrible things about me. Oh, well, that's the great thing about me. I would, I would tell you on air if I saw something. Oh, bless. Well, that's good. Yeah. 
fact that you're withholding uh, is, I guess, a good thing. I'm not. No, I, I don't withhold. I, I really don't. I'm going to tell people what I think in, in real time. And well, uh, if I'm wrong, well, that's exciting because that's the best thing ever is being wrong. But if yeah, I'm wrong, I, know, I, I want agree. to be wrong after putting the full force and weight of my own mind at work. Yeah, for sure. On the project. I don't want, I'm not going to like, so, you know, it could be misinterpreted as wanting to always be right or thinking I'm always right, but it's not. It's just me doing my best to think through things as best I can. And then if I can be shown to be wrong, amen. But I'm not going to allow myself to be shown to be wrong um, willy nilly. Like, you know, if someone says, oh, well, this, uh, this person that you're talking about is a racist or a transphobe. And I say, show me. And I say, send me the video. I will watch any length of content. I will watch anything you send. And if you then don't send it, if you don't do it, well, I'm not going to agree with you. I'm sorry. You got to like, you know, fucking put the same work in that I'm putting in with my brain. Don't just right. tell me to tow the party line. Like, you know, see Kyle, like, you know, some sort of Leninist Marxist BS. Like, you know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to, fall in line and no human being should when we do that's the end of civilization that's yeah for real i mean i feel the same way uh you know to, to a to a point and i think that this is the thing too like it it, it depends and it's going to intersect with um what we do for our friends and, and what we do in certain situations but for, but by and large i agree with you um and i think it's just that's the that's the that should be the the laws of engagement on an argumentative and, and logical and rhetorical level. Like if you can't just come to an argument and make a claim without backing that claim up in some way. Yeah. Um, also, if you're on, if you're in the public sphere and, and you're uh, sort of, um, if you're not saying things, if you're not saying what you think or, or representing the integrity of your intellectual thought fully, giving people the chance to truly prove you wrong then you're a yeah. fraud to begin with. You're, you're a fraud and you're wasting everyone's time who listens to you because you're full of shit and you're not actually being honest. And you got to be intellectually rigorous and honest with where you're at so you can be proven wrong or right. But if you're withholding that stuff and putting forward a face in the public sphere, then you're a fraud. You're a shark. Yeah, yeah, for real. No, I agree with that. I think, you know... Um, oh, I might get cancelled. It's like, well, then you, if, if you're afraid of being cancelled, then nothing you said had any value in the fucking first place because you're a coward. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a I little know, unchared, I, a little uncharitable. That's just because I, you know, I have different placements than you and I don't know where my Mars is. I've forgotten, but I'm sure. Well, yeah, it's... I also have a first degree Scorpio <laughs> ascendant. So it's that's, like, that's you want to, you want to fight, bring it on. But like, yeah. I'm also, I'm a, I'm a fucking Aquarius. So I actually just want everyone to be loving and happy and think beautiful, bright thought. That's all I want. Like, I, right. you know, like I'm, I want that. But I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to let myself come by it or anyone else come by it dishonestly. Yeah. That's, that's, that, I'm not going to sell my soul. It's the intellectual rigor. And now I'm like, where is my Mars? Cause I am, you know, Girl, you got to know where your Mars is. I do. I need to know. Um, where is it? Well, it's a Capricorn. So there you go. I'm very pragmatic. Oh. That's the thing. So. We'll have to get my mom to do your chart sometime. Mm. Yeah. I would love that. I would love yeah. that. I have she a, she may have the energy to do a reading or two a month. She sees how much I'm doing, and and uh, my sister and mom both love how uh, how hardcore I am. They didn't realize uh, that I've been going so hard at it the last several. Yeah, years. for real. Um, and now really I, been... my 
my mom's like, well, maybe I could do a few charts here and there. I'm like, yeah, ma'am. People will pay you 200 bucks a pop. No problem. Absolutely. She, she Only if you that. want to though, mom. Only if you want to. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, it's an energy thing with her. Like she, exactly. she she's Only like, if the vibe is there and you're She's going to start with doing my progress chart on my birthday mm. and a three hour episode, which is going to be really exciting. <laughs> That's exciting. Because yeah. if you think I don't have a few questions to ask my mom in public, well, <laughs> boy, oh I God. tell you what. Hilarious. <laughs> well that'll be a good one what who it are will. you who are you talking to next do you have plans aside from oh yes your i have i have many people scheduled um tomorrow i have a a, a really interesting fellow uh who uh who uh yeah I'm, i don't know if any if people know who he is but he's very cool um and uh it'll be a surprise uh Ooh, very he's, exciting. he's he's he, you might call him out of his wheelhouse out of my wheelhouse but i i love talking oh. with people outside my wheelhouse who's maybe doing something different uh his name is matt and it's going to be good and then uh, next week i have uh reverend eric arnamancy coming back for for part cool. two because we did a two-hour podcast but it, it was when i was first learning zoom and for some reason it didn't record even though oh, it was you on. Told me this, i think yeah. it's because we stopped and started and it technically was a different file and didn't save but oh, you know we're not going to redo what we did we're just going to actually go from what we know each other yeah. and just talk you were just going to talk um awesome. and then and then then i have some some of the some of the famous people coming up but oh i'm, I'm not a big oh. i'm not a big fan of talking to the famous well-known people because i feel like they've sort of already said most of what they have to say and i i don't know what talking to me could add to it um well you got to probe them into those weird weird areas that's your speciality right i i guess i just i just like talking <laughs> with people i mean like i'm not allowed to do it in real life currently that much so uh we're doing the it internet here. will have to suffice yeah. yeah well on that note it's been wonderful to talk i had thank you a yeah. lovely time have a wonderful um, evening in new orleans don't pronounce it that way it's wrong i'm offended I know. um it's new orleans new orleans oh, that's also terrible don't <laughs> do that either. even worse oh, God. Oh. i know how just, it's said i know how it's get, said just just get those words out of your mouth entirely oh you guys you you guys see new orleans <laughs> New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans, I know how it's said. There you go. Yeah. That's beautiful. But, you do, but, you but, do great. You know, I wouldn't be like, uh, a shit disturber if I said what people want me to that's say. That's true. Well, I'm also not from here, so like, what the fuck do I know? Like, yeah, people, we could people tell. From, people you're not from, from here. here. You're not from here. Well, I mean, I'm from Boston, depending you're... on who you ask, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I'm think not, you emerged from, from the Boston. plethora of of subcathonic realms as a. Oh, that's definitely spirit. true. And That's uh, true. you accidentally manifested here for a spell. So uh, we, those of us who really know you, I'm sure appreciate and enjoy the beauty that you bring to the world, and that's a that's a real for, mitzvah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Uh, and that feels very accurate to my experience of being alive in a human body. So I appreciate it. Thank. I feel very seen. Thank you. Um, enjoy your night. Have a good time. Say hi to mom. I will. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. 
For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk